You're listening to Show Pony Radio with your hosts, Sarah Patricia and Katie Joe. Because behind every buckle, there's a story. Hey guys. Whoa, I thought we had the introduction. It's already in there. Oh. It's been so long since we've done a podcast, she doesn't even remember. <laughs> <how to> do <laughs> it. Hey guys, we're here today with uh, Mystic Mike Hochtel. Say hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. <laughs> uh, so this is fun for me. Um, years ago, before uh, the Rikert era, when uh, the paints and the apps and the quarter horses were very much not together, we sort of all had our own world. Um, I always thought that two of the smartest guys in the horse business were Tim Zydema and Mike Hochtel. So I married one of them, and uh, I'm interviewing the other one. Perfect. <laughs> as close as I can get, Mike. Perfect. <laughs> it all works out. That's right. So I don't know anything about your family um, or anything about your growing up. I do that you're from Wisconsin. Is that where you were born? Correct. Yeah. So I am uh, from Helenville, Wisconsin. That's uh, southern Wisconsin. And uh, my family, they uh, uh, did the horses. We have, I have three sisters, and so we all did the 4-H uh, open shows, and then my mom, uh, she was into the Appaloosa deal. So we, as a young kid, we did the Appaloosa deal there for a while. And then um, the family decided to switch into the paint horse business while we were still kids. And so that's really kind of how I got transferred into the paint deal. And I was probably um, 15, uh, 16 years old when my family turned into the paints. Uh, so perhaps. this was how you, you got with Hadley Campbell and all of them? Was that your app era? My app era, yeah. I went on probably until 14, 15 years old. So for the listeners that don't know, Hadley Campbell is the father of Butch Campbell and Sandy Drakowski. Yeah. And Sandy um, is a judge and awesome lady and uh, does the apps. Yeah. And Butch lives in Texas with Patty Campbell's wife. And, and I think in the, in the Appaloosa industry... Well, just being you know, horseman, but we'll talk about the Appaloosa industry. I mean, Hadley Campbell is king. He, he's a so, forefather. Yeah, I mean, if if you couldn't learn from that guy um, and saw how it was done and what they had to do, uh, but you know, there there's so many other guys out there that were like Hadley, but he was a popular name, and, and every everybody really kind of knows what Hadley was all about. So anyway, growing up. And being involved and being around that group of people uh, as a young person made me understand early on what I wanted to do and, and if I wanted to do that. So. And I talked to Garth good a little bit about you. He said he used to do a lot of all-around stuff. Did a lot of stuff? I did. So when I graduated from high school, um, some friends of mine in Minnesota, they uh, set me up an interview with a guy in, in Pilot Point, Texas, and his name was Ernest Wilson. And he was a, a jack of all trades, master of nothing, right? Um, He's not still alive. <laughs> yes, he is. He's but he, uh, he, he was uh, in the paint horse deal, and he, he lived right there on my friendship road there in Pilot Point. And it was called Destiny Farm. Anyway, but he hoped, he cut, he, you know, did a little bit of rain, and um, we do the pleasure, and it was just... An all-around guy that was in the cowboy way, and he had he had forty or fifty in training year-round. Isn't it weird? This is a little sidebar. How much friendship roads you? How old are you? Fifty-five. Okay, so you're just a little older than Tim, but not by much. And 
guys were all on Friendship Road. Everyone still is on Friendship Road. I mean, you, you were at the Paints. He was um, at Doug Lillies. Yep. With yep. Peter Griffin. Yep. And all you guys were there. It just cracks me up how, like, all you guys, well, I was on Friendship Road. Yep. yep. <laughs> Everybody knows Friendship Road. Everybody yep. knows Friendship Road. Anyway, yep. Sorry. So, but anyway, so I, I go to work for him. And, um, you know, it just, uh, it's just amazing. That guy, he didn't do the pleasure or he didn't do the hunt seat or he didn't do this or he didn't do that. He just did everything. Doesn't mean it was right or wrong, but what he did teach was, um, horsemen. What he, what he taught me out of that was how to be a horseman, how to think in front of him. Um, sometimes he got hurt, sometimes he didn't, but, uh, but I spent four and a half years there. I treated it like a college. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was probably the best thing. I, sh looking back, should I have maybe at year three or four maybe gone off and, and you know, worked for somebody else to figure something else out? Maybe. But um, probably the best thing I ever learned was just being a good horseman. Sure. And so was that the only person you worked for? It is. Um, One man intern. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I worked for him for four and a half years. And... Um, and then I did, just decided to go home and uh, got my own shingle. Well, that was, you know, easier said than done. So well, I was, I mean, those <laughs> listening, I'm smiling right now because I'm like, that's a pretty big jump. Yeah. <laughs> so friendship road and all around trainer uh, yeah. back north to Wisconsin. Yeah. Pleasure horse trainer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Carry on. So I, uh, uh, by the time I quit earnest, I was uh, in a relationship with with Gretchen, mm -hmm. and uh, you must have met Gretchen while you were in Texas, right? Because she was a uh, Simon's disciple, correct? Okay. And so I quit Ernest and I stayed in Texas there for a couple, three, four months, and I lived with Gretchen. Got a job working at uh, uh, Panhandle Slim. I was going to say a pizza place. Sounds close. No, Panhandle Slim. <laughs> yeah. So I boxed shirts uh, for a couple months, and I was like, "This ain't going to work." So I, I, I go home and uh, Gretchen finishes her college and the kid graduates or whatever. And so, but anyway, when I went home, got a job. Uh, I was a landscaper and uh, I was a landscaper by day and horse trainer by night. Thought you had a great tan. Oh. <laughs> I can plant a tree. Yeah. And also, uh, uh, one of Mike's many nicknames is, is Easy. Big cheese, and that's because he's from Wisconsin, and he loves Green Bay. It's all about the Packers. I know, I know. Green and you gold and Shane Rocks for life. Green and gold for life. Yeah. <laughs> so, how many horses did you have in training when you were doing this by night? So, yeah, not very many. I mean, maybe two or three. What was your first horse that was like, you know, like you were out on your own and you did good? But was there one, or do you just slowly? This was probably an era too, and the weekend horse shows were still pretty strong. Mm -hmm. So Gretchen and I get married, and maybe our second year, uh, our world show was in Lexington, Kentucky. So I want to say 93, something like that. Mm -hmm. This gentleman walks up to me, who we don't even know, and he's from, happens to be from Wisconsin, and he, his name is Chris Straz. He walks up to us. Spoiler alert. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so he, uh, so he walks up to us, and he says, I don't know you. But I want you to pick me out a horse. I want I want the best one. Oh. And uh, he goes, I want you to take it home. I want you to ride. Have some fun. So I watched the three-year-old pleasure that day. 
and this horse was second. And I walk up and I, and I buy him. His name was Expressive Triples. And he was a Tobion, just a beautiful Tobion. Well, anyway, so we take him home. And he was probably my first take him home from that horse show. And I come to, back then, we'd go to Berrien Springs, Michigan. And then we would come right here to Wilmington, Ohio. And it was a big circuit. And you'd, you'd hit like 24 judges. So Berrien Springs was a paint, paint show, show or the Pollers? Paint, paint show. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, in the fall. Huh. It was a really big deal. And uh, I showed him to 24 judges and had 22 first. And it was just awesome. Took him to the forward stock show the next January and won the stock show. And I think that was the horse that helped me. Put you on the map anyway. This is a sidebar. When Scott worked for my dad, brought Chris Strauss. He had a giant piano brown and white horse. It was triple something. It wasn't that horse, was it? That was it. It was? Uh -huh. I rode that horse every day as a little girl. I loved that horse. Yep. It's a great horse. It's awesome. Great horse. Well, you should thank like, Mike for that because he picked it out. They were going to let me show him in the youth and stuff. He just didn't work or he sold it or something. I loved that horse. Yep. It was the same horse. It's fabulous. Yes, that's cool. Oh, okay. the triples. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that horse probably was the first. Well, he was the first horse that let me know that I knew what I was doing and let me know that I didn't know what I was doing. But sure. since you didn't intern with a pleasure guy, how did you figure that stuff out? Everything was self-taught. Everything. No Is pressure. that where the mystic comes from? Because you do things a little different. <laughs> it might be. I do some, <laughs> some unorthodox things maybe sometimes. I know. I kept saying to Katie, yeah. I just want to ask about his method because it's so weird feeling in his ass and his hand. She was like, what do you do if you can't ride with your ass in your hand? I don't think he has foot buttons on him. I don't know. I mean. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's, it's just how you're. You learn things from working for a, an all-around guy. I, I'm not going to sit out here from the moment you get on these things and put your foot over here and do this all day yeah. long. It's To me, it's... it's We're very much the same that way. It's self-cadence. The horse do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. What do you always say? We don't need to overcomplicate the walk track yeah. canner. Yeah, we've, we've yeah. taken the walk track canner made as hard as we possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not you and me, though. But it's... Uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's more... It's just... Training, as opposed to I want to be a horse trainer, mm -hmm. and I think that I'm not. I don't. I'm not the best showman. I'm not, but my job is to train, and I can't train this horse to do this, this, or this, or this with your foot here, 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 here. I just wanted to just go around, and 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 if it's if it does it by itself, that's even more a plus. So, um, anyway, so when I went out on my own, I I was landscaper by day trainer by night, but I lived in Illinois and uh, Woodstock, Illinois. And so Gretchen and I got married that spring. We went to my apartment there in Illinois. That summer we were showing at a paint show. This gentleman walked up to, to us and his name was Dennis Howard. And so that was 1990. And uh, yes, the, back then it was a paint show in, in uh, Rockton, Illinois. Huge. And he walked up and I was showing a halter horse. He said, why don't you come to work for me? So I was like, yes, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted out of Illinois. So we go to his place in, in Wisconsin and started our own deal. And we did halter horses for him. And then he said, if you want to do riders, you do it on, get your riders done. But um, we're here to do halter horses for me. And so that's really kind of, if it wasn't for Dennis Howard, probably one person don't know where I'd be today. I, I don't know. Why is that? Because he, 
Illinois wasn't, a, it was a, a chance to get started. There was no, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. It was the landscaping guy was, he thought I was going to be there forever. And, and I didn't <laughs> want to be there forever, you know? And so, but if it wasn't for Dennis, I don't really know possibly what happened. This is another sidebar too, but I always respected about the paints more than the apps and quarter horses. It seems like all of you did all of it. Like the fact that uh, a guy who did the pleasure horses mostly and did all the other on you knew how to go fit alter horses like that mm-hmm. was was impressive. And and that, that's a great point because that that's a huge I took a lot of pride in the halter horses. I, I really we fit uh, three or four world champions for this man and I really got pretty good at it. And then I come from an all around uh, trainer. Ernest, sure. Right, and so when I when I went on my own, he roped, and I, I learned how to rope real good. And so when I went on my own up there, I did. I, I roped a little bit, and um, to fit a halter horse is that's just so different. It's way different. It's way different. I mean, you got to pay attention to a whole different set of things. And then, so I would do the halter. Gretchen, I would do the halter. We would do the, and then I would do the riding, and then do some roping, and do some hunt seeders, and and then at some point I. Gretchen and I had a conversation. She goes, "You have to make a decision. So you can't. You're going crazy. You cannot jump from event. Do the halter and then do this and then do this and then go rope at night. And you're going to be a jack of all trades, master of none. There you go. Yeah. And I didn't want that. <laughs> sure. And so, so then I said, okay, we're just going to do the hunt seaters and we're going to do the pleasure horses. At that point in time, was huge. Which yeah, and and it was, and it was very. There was a lot of there was a lot of warrant for that guy. You know, to do to do those two events, I didn't need to do the showmanship. I didn't need to do all that other right. stuff. So really, that's pleasure. That's how it it's pleasure and hunting. That's how it all did started. Did Gar say you did saddle bronc riding or bareback riding or something in high school too? I did. So when I was in high school, I, I high school rodeoed, four times state champion. Still got my bronc saddle. I still got my brain. That's so cool. Yeah. I think it's really cool. I just yeah, had to throw awesome. it in there. Yeah, it's <laughs> my bronc saddle is hung up in my office in my barn. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. You really are. You really did do everything. Yeah. Jack of all trades, for sure. I was, uh, I was all American uh, my junior year, and uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, it was. I, if I could do it all over again, I would do it again. Yeah. yeah. So what was after Dennis? So basically, you know, for Dennis, he's still a client today, and that is thirty-two years. That's a lot for you. He still owns a horse with me today. Oh. Yep. So if it wasn't for Dennis, I don't know where Mike would have ended up. I don't know. Because he gave me a chance, and, and I just... Gave you home base. And we're still best friends today. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So then I worked for, at Dennis's place there for seven years, and I, I always had a goal or a timeline. And so I said to myself, okay, if, when I turn 30 years old, if I don't have my own place, something by 30, I'm going to quit. Man, it's so weird. Tim said the same thing. That's yeah. Everyone versus, has like a scary aging goals. Tim was like all about thirty. He said I gotta have a place by thirty, mm-hmm. and that'd be have a, a, a direction and a plan by thirty. Yep. So I always set a timeline, and so thirty was my timeline. So and lo and behold, at the age of thirty, um, parents let me buy five acres from them across the street, and so back then, I bought the five acres. And I went to the bank, and they're like, well, if you own that five acres, you can give me X amount of dollars, and we'll do a place. 
So that's how that first place was built. Oh, so they mortgage it based on the build cost? Yep. That's awesome. Yep. And so... Um, so I your first farm so, was on five acres? So I had the collateral, yeah. And uh, so that, so I built a place there in Helenville and uh 20-stall barn and a nice house. And Did you call that a spoiler ranch, too? Yep. And so, well, so, so I wanted We're to name it. That. So I wanted to name it. <laughs> So, you know, back then, you know, up there in Wisconsin, everything is farm or acres. Sure. And I'm thinking, that ain't going to work. <laughs> so Gretchen's from Texas. And Gretchen's from Texas. So I'm thinking, I want something else. And Hochtel Show Horses, I don't know, Hochtel Training Center. I mean, there's just no ring to it. Yeah. I'm not feeling it. So Gretchen says, well, what do you want to do? want to name it? So, well, you know, Spur Ranch. So she thinks about it. She's very creative, and so, well, let's name it a spoiler. I said, the hell is that? <laughs> and she goes, that's Spanish for the word spur. I said, all right, I like it. <laughs> and we named it a spoiler. And I bet your neighbors would have no clue that no, you are a 30-year-old white man. at this, but, and this is old-school photography, and I only ever saw you guys in the Chronicle. <laughs> And Gretchen is always really tan. Yep. I thought maybe she was Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> she, 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 that's why she named it this way. Yep. Oh, anyway, sorry. That yeah, was your sorry. neighbors for sure had no clue yeah. where you went to the grocery store. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it was kind of comical actually in the in the beginning because we name it that, and we'd go to the shows, and people would say, people from Texas, even the people that you would think would know. They were like, what does a spoiler mean? So, but it made... It I made, only knew what a spoiler meant because of you. It made them... It <laughs> it's made a conversation them, piece, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it made them think about it or look it up, one of the two. So <laughs> it was, it worked out. It worked out good. So you lived at a spoiler ranch. So we built that place. And so then the pleasure and the hunt seat got serious. You know, like, okay, we own our place. Now we got to make this thing work. Sure. And, and so, you know, it got to be... Pretty darn serious. So I would go, and, and Katie Joe, you know this. I mean, back then, so we're talking mid '90s now, '97, mm -hmm. '98, right in there. Southern Bell was popping. Yeah, I'm 17 by now. Southern Bell is going crazy. Mm -hmm. And I, I would <laughs> bless sit, us all. I would, like me. <laughs> I would sit in the stands at the Southern Bell, and I'd go there to show and the colored classes and stuff. Hello. So sidebar, this is when it all started coming together. Because mm -hmm. before this era, it was very divided, like I touched on earlier. And so there was, it kind of came along with NSPA made this big push for the color stuff. Right. The same, the beginning of the Rikert, which yep. we'll get into in a minute. Southern Bell really took off. And so for the first time ever, there was a horse show besides the Powers. There was a little circuit going on. Because it used to be the Powers, and that's pretty much the time we ever saw each other. Then it became like the Powers and the Southern Bell and then the Reichert and then later the NSPA. So do you think that was the beginning of that? We all sort of... Yeah, I think so. This was good timing for your life, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that, I think you're right. I think the Southern Bell really kind of brought in, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the opportunity yeah. for some colored horses to go there and, and bring in that crowd. And so I, so we did. And uh, But I can always, I can remember... Like yesterday, just I would sit in the stands and and I'd watch all my peers uh, do their thing, and I would just sit there and and for me to try to figure out what I wanted to do, and, and then I would take that home, and and I would apply what I saw those guys doing. So, you know, on 
or the Hornets. I mean, it didn't matter. I, I would watch all of them do their stuff on different horses and figure out you wanted to use it if that could if I could help. Sure. So I, I would come home from all those shows and um, then I would apply that to to my horses and they're like, oh my god, that really worked. I do sometimes, and, and sorry, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Um, like I'll have a horse I'm struggling with. I'll see someone like you or somebody, even at the time, doing something, and I'll go, oh, I bet that'll work. Mm -hmm. And that's, and do you ever stop? I don't ever stop doing that. No, I don't either. And, I, and I'm going to say that, and you'll roll with me on this, the, if you can create a good hunt seater, mm -hmm. and you know how to train a good hunt seater, and you can just, if you can Rick Skelly it, for example, <laughs> all right? And so Rick Skelly, you know, there's a lot of good horsemen that came out of Wisconsin. Skelly. Yeah. Yes. And so you talk about Janesville, Wisconsin. So Rick, I would sit and I would watch him and, and Carl. Wasn't he amazing? And him and Carl Yamber taught me so much about a hunt seater. So I applied a lot of the hunt seat moves on my, on what I would, when I would flag and flop my legs and uh -huh. what I would do with my hand at the same time on the hunt seaters. I would apply that to a degree to the pleasure horse. You and I have talked about that a lot. So to Me create, too. to create, so I don't have to have my foot in their belly all the time or whatever, whatever, whatever. Yep. So also why our horses have a lot of flow. There you go. So I'm a forward motion guy because I did so many hunt seaters to begin with. I'm saying it's how we started. Okay. So, but you talk about um, Rick Skelly and going to, to, and Carl Yamber and then going and watching these and the rest of them, what they did with their pleasure horses, that's how I learned it. And I implemented all of it. I wrapped, put it all in a big box and I used, and I pulled out whatever I needed whenever I needed it. Did the opposite be true also? If you see something you don't like, you're like, nope, never want to go down that road. Yeah. Absolutely. I see it here all the time. Yeah. I saw it yesterday and I was like, okay, that's the <laughs> definition of too much of a good thing. Right. Like, it's cool at first, but now it's time to stop. You're going to sell sideways and kind of cantering it because you're making weird things happen. Agreed. Let's Agreed. go low boxes for a while and do something normal again. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I would just think being self-taught, you'd have to take the good and the bad and try to figure out the difference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we've all uh, done too much of a good thing, too. Like, I'm a victim, like he just said, for a lot of liking this way. You know, sometimes it feels really good and it feels really good to you, so you just ride this. And then you go show. You don't really get run off with. Like, look really unhorse trained because, like, wait, all that stuff I was working on doesn't matter. What matters is I have to get this horse shown. And nothing's working. I can't stop and back up and do it again. I have to do another half a lap, and I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, like, there's some, it's all you. There's a method to it. It's a method to it, yes. Yeah, but you know, for all of us, I mean, you have to have a horse that can go on and go for several more times with some other rider. I, we don't need, I never um, grew up with, this is a one-shot wonder deal, and if this one doesn't work, we'll go get another one. That's not it. I had to make it work for my clients. They had to last forever, or last a long, longer distance than yep. than a short term. So um, while I'm learning this, uh, I would go to our world show in June, July, there in Fort Worth. And first couple of years, I... Beat my head against the wall. I, I, I couldn't get anything done. Who was winning everything then? Just because I'm trying to put the time in my mind. Oh, man. <laughs> Lynn and Andrea. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, gosh. But like in the in the pleasures, like Gretchen got along really good in the hunt seat. I mean, for years, Gretchen got along really, really well in the hunt seat. 
But uh, and the pleasures, it always just seemed that when we went to the world show, didn't matter. Whoever was capturing somebody, Troy Compton. Troy Compton. <laughs> Todd Summers. Yeah. Todd Summers would come in there <laughs> and ride it for 15 minutes, and Troy Compton would walk in, and they'd ride these things. Doug Carpenter. Uh -huh. okay. Billy. Yeah. Old Carp, he'd walk in there and just slip in there and take it. And, and But um, Troy Compton and, and Todd Summers, then there would be 100 in the junior pleasure. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, see, so your cuts. And we would drive home because your first six guys that got called out of the semifinals were all quarter horse guys. Okay? And only four or five paint guys left that you could pick from. Well, I wasn't maybe, wasn't maybe to that level yet, right? So we drove home, and it was a big deal to get home and tell your client you made the first cut. Your clients were happy back then. You, know? you didn't have to make the semifinals to be successful. You just had to make, make the first cut into mm -hmm. the semifinals. And so that was a big deal back then, and and then it gets to a point where that's not good enough. So you know, so now we got to get through the semis into the finals. Well, those guys <laughs> showing up, it's impossible, right? Sure. Uh, so I took a different approach, and it worked. So I got tired of not going there and, and getting along for my clients. So Don Barry helped me out for like four years, <laughs> and he came in and he showed my number one horses, and I sat and watched. For three years at least, maybe four. And he showed him and he won buckles on every single one of them. But if I was riding it, there was no way, right? Uh, we're going to circle back here to <laughs> uh, being smart. So now we're going to circle back to our beginning statement where I always thought you were one of the smartest guys. I'm going to beat him. So I said to myself, oh, there's got to be a better way. So John, uh, I, I actually called John one year. On our way home from the world show, because Dennis Howard owned the horse, and he and got nothing accomplished, nothing. He's like, Mike, this is a very nice horse, and so if you need to go get some help, go get some help. And so I called John, and, and uh, we were on our way home from the Fort Worth world show. You're still in Illinois this time. And no, I'm in Wisconsin. I'm at, so I'm at yeah. Wisconsin. And so I called John, and he said, Yeah. So we went home that way through Southern Missouri, mm -hmm. and uh, dropped the horse off. And John was very great in helping me through. And he, you know, he said, what's the problem? And we fucked it all out. So that's how we really kind of got uh, doing that together for three or four years. Had you met at the horse shows before, though? You had a relationship or not really? No, not no relationship at all. I just... You just randomly called him? I, I just called him. and Because I was always watching those at those shows. And he was always nice and pleasant. So I was like try that's interesting and uh so that's how that's how we did our did business and, um it was worked out great for me and he showed me that i i'm doing the right stuff and this is how you got to show it you, you can't this is how you, you're going to train it and then i want you to present it this way and which also circles back to our horse training conversation at some point in time you have to stop training and start working and showing correct yes yep. and so so then um I got this mare, I bought this mare, and her name was Good Dividends, and she was a black and white mare. It's the first horse I remember you had. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I did did all the work in, in um, getting her to the big shows, and so first year I had her at the World Show, I won the Junior Pleasure, and she was third. 
and uh, my people were, it was the first time I actually cracked through the cuts and the semifinals and then and, and being in the top three and, and beating some of them guys. It was Broke like, the glass ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's when I said, okay, I think I know what I'm doing here. Oh, right. What and, a good feeling. And I came back to the stalls and John, John would sit on the side and he would help. He'd tell me, yeah, you're looking good or no, you're looking bad, whatever. Um, then he gave me some great advice. He said, that, that horse right there, Mike, you don't stop showing her until they've had enough. You, that horse wants to be a show horse so bad. Just let her do her thing and you do your thing and don't stop until, until they just let you win. Until they've had enough. And I, Mary won seven buckles. That's yeah, awesome. Because you're just relentless with her. Yep. And so she helped me in my confidence and my skill set. And not only just to get it to go around on that Saturday, do that for five or six years. Do that. And that she, he, she also taught me how to make one last a long time. And what the correct way to go about it. So that mare taught me a tremendous amount. Yeah, because making one last is another part. It's like the thing about the Washington Pleasure is you start so many horses. I do. I can't speak for you. Mm -hmm. um, that you get in the habit of like starting them and doing the process of getting them broke. And then the, the my trouble is we sell so many. So then I'll get one or two show horses. I only show them two or three times and then we sell them. Correct. So like the Pippa mare... Uh, Knocking uh, it out. Knocking it out. That's the first three-year-old I've ever shown for a whole year. Ever in my life. Knocked the first three-year-old we had till senior horse. Right. Yeah, ever in my life. And so <laughs> that's the next part. It's like, okay, you're going to get him broke. There's stage one. Now you've got to get him show broke. Mm -hmm. Now you teach him how to show. There's stage two. Then the stage I don't really know a lot about, now you've got to make him last for however long. Plus put an amateur. Right. Whatever. Yeah. And that's a whole... Another ball of wax. That's right. So I take a lot of pride in, in horses that last. Maybe they're not open caliber all the time, hmm. but they're still good, not wore out mental. Sure. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful skill to have. Yeah. It sounds like John was kind of a mentor to you during that time. He did. He, he, he was he was fabulous. He taught me a lot of things, and, and uh, I, which I think John's a, a great horseman. really is. Sure. And... Um, uh, so stick her on the back. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> he judged me like two horse shows in a row, or like twice a year. There were major events. Neither of my horses back, and I get to the world show after the congress. It cost me winning the open threes on Pippa at the congress. And he rides by me real quiet, like he does, and he goes, "No, that's two major events this year that cost you winning. That I'm judging because your horses don't back very good." <laughs> I was like. Oh. <laughs> yep. It is a part. Of, it is a maneuver. I'm sorry, John. He goes, "You're killing me." <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Back to you. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's that's really kind of how I started, and then then uh, I didn't uh, use John too much after that, you know. But we've been we've been good friends ever since. At this time, you were still in Wisconsin. No. Yes. Yes. Yep. Gretchen's a Texas uh, Texas girl. So I, and I told her one day, we'll move back to Texas. So this one January, uh, we're getting uh, oh. we're getting ready to go to the Fort Worth Stock Show. We always came down at the end of January. A couple of weeks before that, we go to Fort Worth Stock Show. Uh, I was outside hooking on the manure spreader to the tractor. Boy, I, I remember this from Michigan. I had my boots and spurs on, just like we do. We walk over there, and you know, you, you hook on the spreader, and you 
walk over the top and going to get on the tractor and, you know, your boots and whatever on ice. I slipped and I fell and I hit, I hit my back so hard on the ice. Being from the North sucks. So, um, I finished doing my chores. I walked in the house and I took my boots off and I said, that's it. <laughs> yep. Today's no, the day. Else, nobody, I can't do this. There's no way we can do this. Random thought. You said spurs in the snow. I always thought this. <laughs> <laughs> because your spurs have to be so cold. Yeah. And then you're in those indoor arenas. And, you know, the horses get real touchy. And you used to blame it on being cold. I was always like, I think it's because my spurs are, like, freezing. And if you're a horse and someone's poking you with, like, a frozen icicle, icicle yeah. you would be jumpy, too. It's like the bits in the tack room that you have to warm up before you put it in yeah. your mouth. Yeah. Canadian problems, too. Get it. Anyway, sorry. That was a funny segue about spurs. But, um, so, yeah. So, we... To the Fort Worth Stock Show, and we stayed at some good friends of ours, Finkenbeiners, and they, uh, Dwarf guys. Yep. Tim's like, you guys got to move down here. So nice and smart. He's very thought, thought. Yep. Um, he, th he thinks. He's a thinker. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we drive around, and, and, and right up the right up the road was this nice property, uh, 100 acres, and uh, so drive home, and I uh, I said. Tim calls me and goes, what do you want to do? And I said, well, man, I, I can't, can't buy that 100 acres. I mean, I can probably take a swing at 30 acres, but I'm, I don't need 100. He goes, let me call that guy. Let me call that realtor. See if we can get them to split that property up. Is so, Tim a real estate agent or he's just being your friend? He's just you? being my friend. Cool. And so so he calls and, and they would split it all up and do stuff like that. And Tim ended up buying some. And so I bought 30 acres. Good chunk. Yep. And uh, still have it today. And, uh, awesome. so, and so we... Knowing you, it's neat as a pin. It's, I, I love it. <laughs> Didn't it get hit with a tornado? Once? So, so it did, yeah, in 2008. It got hit on December. Which sidebar you bought it when? 02. 02, so we're, up, we're sort of in the same area. Keep going, hey, tornado. Yeah, 02, and it was all built up and, and so forth. And uh, um, tornado comes through there and, and totals the barns in uh, 08. Did you lose any horses? I didn't lose any, but it broke everything there was. The roofs off. It was a mess. Oh no! But, so I had to go rent stalls for a while, and but that was you know right there in the recession, right? Oh, so, I mean, 08 to eleven is was the okay. So it's like adding salt in an open wound. Since you said recession, let's talk about that for a second. So you're rolling, like everybody was. Yeah. So for me, I hung my own shingle in 2002. Sure. I thought this is how it always is. It's always this easy. I really didn't know anything different. Because 2002, was, it was as good then as it is now. And, you know, I was nobody. We had a lot of horses in training, as many as I could take. And we were buying some horses, you know, yada, yada, yada. And um, I went to Riker in 2008. I'm only saying that because it was, I started training horses, for, like I was in college 2002. But 2008, the whole time was amazing. I went to Riker, sales great. And then the next year at the Riker, I don't know why, but I always use the record in my head. Next year at the record, that was the year that the um, before the big class, they had Troy Compton and Charlie Cole in the in the stagecoach horses in the, in the, in the runaways. Yeah. Wasn't that insane? It's crazy. <laughs> Those are the days, man. Oh, man. Anyway, and then it seemed like 2009 came, but it still hadn't hit us. Remember, because the sale was still good in 2009. And I don't know if I was just young and dumb. 
was completely unaware that, that the stock market had crashed last year. Technically, the stock market and everything happened in 2008. People still had money in 2009. I don't, I don't feel like... I was shocked in 2010 when I couldn't sell for someone to master's on. Right. You know? right. So what's your take? I, I think it was... For me, I think it started... For my clients, I think it started... They started feeling it maybe in eight. Mm. Okay, so... But at that time, leading up to that... This is very relevant to right now, too. Correct. So up to, up to that time, right? So it's, it's uh, me and Gretchen and uh, assistants. Um, I hired Barnhand. Oh, I mean, wow. You he know, had a full staff. And, Blown and going. He had 24 head of horses. And, you know, it's boom, bada, bang. Yeah. And boom. I mean, a lot of our clients had two or three horses apiece. And it gets... And we got down to... Where you know you got to come on assistant loose and maybe cut another one down, and then just clients that you've either sold these things off because that was their demand or they took them home, one of the two. Um, but I can remember going from 24 down to five. Oh, it it, it uh, that'll cut you off at the knees, yeah. So I learned a very, very good lesson, and uh, I think I'm set up now. If, I, if it comes again, I can handle it because I, I've Let's, the show. let's get to that later, but how did you survive it? Because I think if there's anyone young who's been doing this for less than 10 years, you don't know what's coming right now. I think... And I'm not trying to say that condescending. I'm saying that I'm finally old enough. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 40. You're and striving to incite fear amongst the masses. Well, I just think <laughs> they don't have a clue. I didn't have a clue when I was that age. I, didn't. I just thought everything was... I just thought that was how I was once. But then if you had had a little nest egg. I had nothing. I had a new truck. I had a new trailer. I had a full barn of horses. So what happens when we you were, have no horses? I was, I was 24 years old buying horses for hundreds of thousands of dollars from Schroeder's and in the sales. And it, it, I just thought this was always just a snever and trick. JR spent the money because he, I don't think he ever saw it coming. He never thought that the money wouldn't be there next year. I think the money was there in 08. It wasn't there in 09. Mm-hmm. That was when things started to really... Right. And he just spent it. He, what, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying it was okay or it wasn't. I'm saying what choice did he have? What choice did any of us have? Right. So, lesson learned, right? What's the survival strategy? I, th- I think, first of all, for any of us, I mean, you, you've got to, within your means, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, don't say you've got 24 horses in training when you've only got 20. Don't say... You've got 15 when you've only got 10. Don't spend that money that you don't have. You know, and, and, and I think, and then, it, you know, I fell into when we had that two assistants, probably didn't need to. You know, did it because it was easier. And yes, you it could got, afford it. You could, yeah, and I could afford it. So how about let's just have one and let's work some longer hours ourselves. And what about, because I'm going to say something about this because you were talking about numbers of horses. I was thinking about, you know, your count. When you do like, okay, if you have a 10 stall barn, I'm going to say 10 just because it's just easy numbers to understand. A 10 stall barn, it's full. You want to say you got 10 horses, but really, one of them is your wife or your husband or your kids, <laughs> your partners, and two or three of them with somebody. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of them are training horses, but you know that one or two are out the door, upside down in this one. So all of that's a factor, right? How, what's your feeling on partner horses? I'm just curious about this 
I don't like it. Me neither. Okay, I, I've done the partner thing. Mm -hmm. And to get started, yeah, you, you know, it might not hurt to be a partner in a certain situation. As I get older, I'm thinking... Just scares me. Partnerships work out for the partner. Right. It just scares me in that way. It, it never works out truly for you because, okay, Katie, Joe, you and I are going to be partners. I'm going to go sit over here on the beach and you're going to eat it. You're going to clean it. You're going to manage it. You're going to keep it alive. Then you're going to train it. You're going to sell it. And then when you get done, I want my money back. And then we're going to split what we make. <laughs> No. So you're going to work four jobs to make your 22%, basically. So I don't like it. Um, that's why I don't. I think when you're younger, um, you're trying to get established. If you are a talented enough horse trainer, mm -hmm. if you pick a good enough horse, it's an investment in yourself. Correct. If you're not as good as you want to be, and or you pick the wrong horse, it could be it can catastrophic. Oh, it, especially in trying times. Mm -hmm. You're using your other client's money to pay this one's bill. Word. Yeah. For sure. And that's not you can keep the ship on the, on the water. Right. Especially to, to survive the recession. So, you know, and then so I couldn't remember getting down to five head of horses. So I had to make a choice. And I didn't have I didn't have any way of, you know, any horse to get any quarter horses or clientele. But I did have avenues back you know, through, through the apps. And apps were still good at that point, as far mm -hmm. as decent size shows. They were good. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so it was easier for me to make that transition and, and get some of those horses back, our clients, right? Yep. And so uh, so I did. And um, and then I, I ended up having four or five, and then I got six, stuff like that. And uh, so that was easier. And then, I then, you know, my paint deal back real strong yeah because i think you can keep four good customers so if you do the paints and the apps you can keep four good app customers and four good paint customers oh for sure absolutely you know like that's or four good four horse customers i think when you get in trouble is if you're trying to have 10 good one kind of customer then they start competing against each other yeah, stay the heck away from and you can't possibly manage sarah <laughs> stay away from me she said but you can't possibly manage 10 people at one time can't. Right. So then you're out there riding. I'm a rider, but you ride more than me. And I ride. But you are, I don't know anyone that rides as so much as you. Literally. <laughs> you're frustrated. <laughs> and so, it sounds really crazy, but you basically have 10 women throwing money around back at your stalls left to their own devices. Right. That's a little challenging. Yeah. I, I couldn't manage that either. So, like, to your point, yes, it's easier than to have... It was easy for me because none of the Appaloosa deal conflicted with any That's of the That's what money. I'm saying, yeah. You know, the, the shows never conflicted. It was easy. Yep. It was like, okay, yeah, over here this weekend, over here that. And you were in Texas. There was so much stuff in Texas for both of them that oh, that was okay. easier, too. Yeah, absolutely. So now, as, as as time goes, now, I mean, we see where, where the app deal is. I, I've only got two, two left, and they're good clients, and they're long livers, and when they're done, they're done. You know, but... Um, but to re to uh, to survive that, that's how I survived it. Would and you have survived it if you were still up north, or do you think being in Texas put you through it? I, I think as far as the app deal goes, for sure, being in Texas. I don't. Would I be think, there. I don't know if I could. Don't know if, if I was still in Wisconsin, 
just don't know if I'd still be business the way I am today. I, I don't think I would be. I don't think the I think the market is up there. Um, the the weather doesn't allow you to. The expense factor of it uh, to stay in business up there. Um, the horse shows are not what they once were. There's not enough trainers up there to make a horse show. So if you don't have the venues, you can't get the people or the clientele to go there. Okay, so this is, a, I'm going to circle back to the apps for a minute. We felt like we left, and when I say we, obviously Tim was the app guy. Sure. They spent so much time protecting the little guy. That the they looked up. Yeah, the app club spent so much time protecting the little guy and the grassroots people, I say with quotation fingers, mm -hmm. that they forgot that, you know, when Tim left and Mark left, Schaefer, just for examples, also left with 20 customers. That's right. I mean, if you look at the quarter horses now and you really do some numbers and you figure out how many of those people were at people, it's insane. You just sold one to a barn doing the same thing. Nettie Olson? Mm -hmm. That was our app customer? Right. Yours when we quit? Yeah. I have to take this out, but yes. <laughs> Why? I don't know. You can't name people like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nettie won't care. Nettie was near clown anyway. So yeah, that. I mean, we, when we quit, we said, here, take Nettie. You know, the, the, the amount of amount of customers that left the apps with the horse trainers. And good people that wanted to stay in the horse business. And, yep. and you know, we can say what we want to say about whatever. Our job is to keep people in the horse business, yep. not not let them go away. And we're the custodians. Right word? Custodians? So, I would say, but it, it goes beyond you, too. It goes to the associations that we're of, too. You're only part of the equation. Things you can't control. That's true. That's true. But now, so in order to keep people in the horse business, and you take somebody like Nettie that you just mentioned, um, she she knows where the, the Appaloosa Association was taking her, and that was that wasn't where she wanted to go. Sure. And so she needed to make a transition, uh, and and then whether it's a paint or whether it's a quarter horse, we kept her in the horse business. Right. And that's important. that's right. That yeah. I didn't, you're right. So don't confuse it when I said we left. The customers didn't quit showing horses. Right. They just took their business elsewhere. That's right. what I mean. You're only part of the equation. The associations have to work for them also. Yeah. So I think, you know, more that we can just keep people in the horse business. Yeah. I don't care what breed that is. Yeah, no matter how just I, I don't. It, I don't care. We're horse trainers. Now, some of us can do this, this breed and some can't and whatever it is, but our job is to keep people in the equine industry. I got to tell you, I, I mean, I there was, I guess, seven years there where I did apps and I did the paints and all that stuff, and I pretty much the same horse. Yeah. I mean, honestly, two of the best horses I ever rode were apps, ever. Yeah. And a good horse is a good horse. That's right. I, I mean, if you're, if you're a good horseman, you will honestly say that answer. You know, you can, you can say whatever you want, but at the end of the day, a good horse is a good horse. Period. Right. End of story. Um, so you survived the recession, but your marriage didn't. There you go. Um, Gretchen and I, we get divorced. And, uh, you know, I think that, that's when you find out a lot of answers about yourself. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, you understand, and when you go through that, you, you can be honest with yourself, or, you know, you can BS yourself. Honesty part is shows its face at the end of the day, and, and um, if we're all being honest, then you 
survive it and you can keep your head up. And when you say honest, do you mean honest about yourself? Honest about yourself and, and, and each other. And sure. each other. But at the end of the day, I think well, the, the, the Gretchen and I, the 24 7, 365, and that's what she did, that's what I did, and it just 20 years wear you up. Don't you think that after a while, when you're together all the time, it becomes so much about everything but you two? Well, that is correct. And I had a, I had a saying when we built our first place up in Wisconsin. I, I can remember like it was yesterday. Come in the bar, in, the, in our new house. And I skipped right on through the door and I took my boots off and Gretchen was making dinner. And I, and I said, this is how this is going to happen. <laughs> she says, what? I said, we are never going to let the barn creep into the house. Ever. That's we'll, a good one. And we will be just fine. That's what she did. Son of a biscuit. The barn crept into the house before you know it, right? Yeah. And, and over 20 years, the barn creeps into the house and creeps in and creeps in, and you can't get away from it. And that's what happened. So, nothing more than that. Sure. Um, well, it's a stupid sidebar. So, like, when we go with our friends, our friends, like, like, like in Ocal, it'll be us and... I don't know, uh, Rusty and Katie or Nick and Carmen or Brian Karen or whoever. It, like, we'll look up and go, hey, stop talking about horses. Right. X nay on the horse. And everybody talk. stops. I'm like, you guys, we're on the ocean. We not talk about horses anymore. And we're all like, oh, shit, we're doing that. Right. You know, like, let's talk about us. Yeah. Not the same thing, but the same thing. Yep. So that that is, that's very true. And, and I see... We see in, yeah. in, in the business that we do. See it big time. It, it happens. It happens a lot. And, and I think, but I think uh, when you let the barn go into your house and you're supposed to go to these horse shows and you're supposed to do this, uh, okay, so we're going to leave on Thursday. We go to the horse show on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come home on Monday. On Tuesday and Wednesday, we're supposed to be a family, but on Thursday, we start back going into this and this and this. You can't, your, your, your family relationship cannot evolve on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then on Wednesday, if that's your second day off, you're full of anxiety because horses have been, you know, not ridden or touched or something for two days. And the, the difficult thing about this business with the, with the couple thing is um, take a set of horses, let's say six with you to the horse show on the weekend. Mm -hmm. While you're there on those six horses, the other ten at home mm -hmm. are airing up. Right. Which also was my problem when we did the apps and the paints and the quarters. Yeah. It was like every time I got one set of horses knocked down, the other one was at home and needed, you know, it was like this constant cycle. Mm -hmm. So in your marriage and with the horses, you, what you want to do is come home and be present. Mm -hmm. You can't because you have 12 dragons or <laughs> now that we're older, I really don't care. But when you're younger and you're panicking, they seem like dragons mm -hmm. in the barn, you know, and so you're just constantly, uh, I have to put this into words because... No one can see what my hands are doing. <laughs> Getting and taking. Balancing. Balancing, balancing that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. So words from Mike Cocktail. First sage advice. Don't let the barn creep into the house. If, you, if there's one most important thing. Learned. Yeah. And I, and I, I said I wasn't going to happen and it, and it sure did. And you didn't know it. Slowly it, over time. It's like a ghost that comes underneath your bedroom door that you just don't even see. <laughs> <laughs> but over 20 years. You know, it creeps in there, and next thing you know, that's all you guys do. And and and, uh, and I'm sure there's other people that have the same type of scenario. But it's so weird that I'm starting to get old enough to see this. But don't you see it all around you? Yes. 
Another person, um, and I, another person once told me, I never really knew what this person meant until I divorced. Like, yeah, until I, I was divorced, and then I, I um, saw the answer to this person saying, "When you get to the horse show, are you happy? Huh. And, when, and when you pack up to go home, are you happy?" So I thought about that for years. Just let that sink in. I never forgot what that guy said. And I sometimes I can go to these shows and I can watch some people load and unload and uh, go home and, or whatever. And I can see them. They're they're so mad that they didn't win this or didn't win that or did this or did that. They're going home mad. And so that creeps into their house. By the time they get home on that Monday morning Look or Tuesday out. morning, they're still upset. Boy, that's well said. You know, and so that creeps into the house. You're, it's already in the kitchen. <laughs> it's in the truck. <laughs> it's already it's in the kitchen. Yeah, we're cooking it on Tuesday morning for breakfast. Okay. So, you gotta watch out for this ghost. It's everywhere. So, you know, there, there's a lot to that saying. You notice the difference running your business by yourself without a spouse, though. Yeah. So, a great question. Yeah, that's very good. Because. Everything, I didn't even have an assistant. After because you were in a recession. Mm -hmm. Did you have a stall cleaner even with five horses? I had a, I had a stall cleaner and, and, a, and a ranch hand, but I um, didn't have an assistant. did everything myself. So you had to do all the billing and all of that All stuff. the billing and uh, all the riding. And all the, the barn got filled back up and things were rolling. I'm building an addition. Yeah, so then we get to, we climb in there to 2016-ish, okay? And... Uh, I'm riding everything by myself. We go to the World Show that fall, and then at that that summer, um, I felt like I needed help. The first time since the recession, where I felt like, man, I'm I'm cooked. I'm cooked. So uh, Garth calls me. Garth Gooding calls me and says, "Hey, there's there's a girl that's moving up to North Texas. You might want to give her a call and see if she can help you out a little bit." And uh, so it was Bryn Bassler. So she uh, comes and agrees to. Come help me a couple, three days a week. Okay, so sidebar. Mm -hmm. Brent's from Michigan. Yep. And we showed together every single weekend at every weekend or show. Mm -hmm. And she had a super old chestnut gelding. I forgot what his name is. The coolest horse. He was just old. When I said old, he was like 18. Mm -hmm. We showed together every weekend. Every quarter horse show. So this is cool. Yeah. So so Brent comes in 2016. Um, and she agrees to help me a couple, three days a week. And stuff like that. Prior to that, I think prior to that, maybe from um, from twelve, maybe from twelve to fifteen, I had a girl that uh, started off kind of part timeish and then got to be full time. And uh, her name was Alicia, and she. So I think that was a time frame in there where she where she worked there, and uh, then when she left, I think that's when the brain came in. But uh, that was probably. It took that long, probably, to build up enough horses to where a person felt financially it was, it was worth it. And when you built it back up in 16, they were paints and apps. Yes. Yes. But sure. you had to do everything by yourself because you were single. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so was it, like she said, how was it different being single running the business? Exhausting. And exhausting in a lot of different ways. So to back up and, and talk about honesty, okay? So I took some things for granted, right? That maybe she did do more than I thought. 
maybe I did more than she thought. You know, so honesty comes back all the way around, Full circle. and you and you learn from it. And so you go in the house at night, and you do your own laundry, and you do your own, put away your own dishes. You realize do your own billing. Do your own billing. Oh, it's ten o'clock at night, and you just got done writing. So you if know. you want paid, you better send out yeah. the bill. <laughs> yeah. So honesty uh, and you making you understand the truth. But probably. Uh, the biggest thing to take away from you're doing it yourself. So 2016, Yep. And um, are you dating anyone? So 16, yes. And so I'm 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 dating a, a lady from Wisconsin that I knew a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we actually ended up getting married. Tammy. Um, three years ago. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And. Two and a half years ago. And she lives on your ranch in Texas? Yep. So she moved to Texas maybe in 18. I'm bad with dates sometimes. It doesn't but, matter. But, Just get as close. But uh, but she moved to Texas, and then a couple of years later, then we got married. Yeah. And do you feel like you've um, slowed down at all? I mean, because now, now in, in, in keeping with the marriage conversation, I don't want to let the barn creep into the house. But with that comes... You know, the ability to compartmentalize boundaries and boundaries and with compartmentalizing and boundaries and putting what's in the house as a priority, you just can't be obsessed with the horses anymore. And I, and I, the barn isn't capable of creeping into the house anymore because Tammy has her job and she's, she's a mortgage lender. So she's in her office. And and right now in Texas, she's really busy. Yep, she's, she's doing very well. <laughs> So she has her deal, okay? So when I come in at night, and it's 8 o'clock, whatever. You still don't get to the house till 8 o'clock at night? Correct. Well, he's kicking your ass. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll have dinner sitting there, and all I got to do is warm it up or whatever. But it's not just about me then at this point, because she's got her deal, right? So the barn does not get a chance to even to creep in the house because... Be like Mike, I don't need to hear. I got my own thing to worry about. Or I, I got this. Hey, she'll ask me, "How was your day?" Say, "How was yours?" She'll tell me her story. I got something that we got something else to talk about. Man, so again, with me and Tim, since you started the shavings business and he does all this other stuff, it's been so much better for us in the same way. You know, like we'll get together at the house, people about six or seven, and we can talk about things besides. The stuff we've done, toe. yeah, cracking hot, pointing toe with this customer, or whatever it is, isn't it nice? Oh, it's so different. <laughs> it's, it, so it, nice. it's actually like right. you know, you can laugh or yeah, you enjoy going to the house, but like, because once you get in, you're like, oh, how to go today? So good, horrible. <laughs> how <laughs> was your day? <laughs> how was your day? Mine was awesome. Well, let me hear about yours. Yeah, <laughs> and by the time you've made those first two lines of like, how was your yeah, day? You feel better. You you feel like you let it go. You either zip it, right. <laughs> don't say anything, or it gives you another conversation to go talk to, and you don't have to worry about how that horse just bucked you off or or whatever. Or whatever. And the other thing is, I think when you're in the middle of your problems. Yeah, they're stupid. Like in the grand scheme of things, this horse not loping good, or this customer doing whatever, or whatever the issue is, doesn't matter at all. It's going to be. But okay. to us, mm-hmm. it's huge, right? Yeah. And so when you can go home and you can talk to somebody else about their trivial problems, yeah. and then you're talking about your trivial problems, 
pretty soon it seemed like this giant globe just became something you can just and put over there and just walk away from it. Tim's getting really good at it now, I must say. Yeah. And T- Tammy has really helped me tremendously of never allowing the barn to get to the house. It's, it's Now, she'll ask questions, and she, she wants to be educated and, and fun things and stuff like that. As far as it letting, she, it never comes in that door where it stands. That's all we're going to talk about. No. It, it's... Does she, does she help it, you with running your business? It's refreshing. No. Um, she doesn't do any of my billing. I mean, I'm all hands on my, she's got her deal. I got my, now she'll help me with some degrees or some questions and stuff like that, but. Totally separate. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, so that works out really, really good. Okay, so. It stays refreshed. We've sort of done your life, but we skipped over some really important parts. Let's talk about some big things. Uh, you had a really bad accident when? 2005. This was right before the Great Recession, so to speak, that we were talking about. Were you right. living in Wisconsin? I was in Texas. And the Reichert... Um, it was still in... In 2005, I think it was still in... Tulsa. Or St. Louis. No, but St. Louis. St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I remember it. So St. Louis just got done, and I go home, and there was a week in between back then. Reichert, the NSBA World Show. So everybody from that area, they would just go home, ride for a week, and then go to the NSBA World Show. Back then it was called the Breeders' Championship or whatever. Um, I went home, and I'm going to get this hunt seat horse ready for the NSBA. And I take it off another place, ride in Whitesboro there. And it was tough to begin with, and I just, I overdid it. I, I pressed the wrong button. You went Carl Yammer. I went Carl. <laughs> I went over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> and... Thinking, I, I'm going to I'm going to make this horse do this thing, and so anyway, actually, I was loping around. I had some set of draw reins on him, and uh, get to the center of this big indoor arena, and I said, "Whoa!" And I just and he just hit that whoa, and he just kind of hit that bit, and he had never done this ever a day in his life, but he uh, hit that to that draw rein, and he just kind of hit it in just a weird way. And he just went up. He got to a certain point, and I knew that I needed to bail. Probably really big, and you didn't allow. And he was—he was a big guy. And uh, he got up. He got up pretty high, and I knew I was in big, big trouble. And um, let go, and I and I went, and I slung myself off as hard as I could, and my foot got hung up in the stirrup, oh. and it boomeranged me right up back underneath him. And uh, so yeah, so he he came right down on top of me, and. Uh, had a rain in place. And there's one guy riding a rainer in the arena. And uh, so the horse comes over the top. And I knew I was in big trouble. So I'm just, I'm crying for help. The guy says, hang on, hang on. I don't want to spook this horse. So he ties this horse up and he comes over. And he lifts this horse's back legs up. And so I could uh, pull myself out from underneath him. So I did. I crawled out from underneath him. When I was crawling, pulling myself out, I could feel my my waist uh, like separate, like like pulling away from my spine. Like I did, it's like I was going to be two different people. Oh, that's really creepy. Yeah, very very scary. So the worst thing you could have done was pull yourself, probably. What? First thing you probably could have done was pull yourself. Yeah. Oh, man. So I got up from underneath him, and then the horse he got the horse up and got him out of there, and. 
laid there. I thought about getting up, but the moment I made one little move just to try to think about getting up, just felt like something, all the bones shifted. And I was like, this is not good. But I just laid there very, very still. And they called uh, the ambulance and the, the ambulance comes and the, they, they, med, they med flighted me to Dallas. Uh, um, and so I get there and what ended up happening was broke my pelvis in six spots. I, I cracked my tailbone completely off. And um, your tailbone now? No, they say you don't need it. <laughs> apparently you don't. <laughs> apparently you don't. Uh, <laughs> Here's all your ass. But anyway, the surgeon comes and, and he actually was a surgeon that uh, does all the pelvis injuries for the Dallas Cowboys. So that gave me like a positive. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you're like, I'm sorry, sir, I'm a Packer. Yeah. <laughs> so comes in, he goes, you got two choices, son. So what is it? He said, if we do surgery, you might be on a horse in a year. You might, you might, guarantees. If we don't do surgery, you'll never swing your leg on an animal ever again. It, maybe, maybe not even get out of a wheelchair. That's only one choice to make. Well, then what the heck? That's not a choice. Yep. So I said, well, I, I'd like to go with plan A. <laughs> so we did it. It was like a six or eight hour surgery. My gosh. Did you have insurance? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he had to reconstruct your entire pelvis because it was he broken did. in six places. Mm -hmm. Yep. He's got all mesh wire and, and the rods. Oh, my God. Is it still in there? Still in there. Yep. Wow. And I, I feel great. Has it affected your sex life? Not at all. Perfect. Not at all. <laughs> Just looking out for Tammy or what? <laughs> <laughs> looking out for Mike. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that was amazing for me to... Go through that experience, maybe understanding, maybe you ride again, maybe not. You're not invincible. And what's well, plan B if you can't though? That, that, you make that choice at that point. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in the meantime, you also find out who your friends are. It was a year you were out. Huh? Who are your friends? I have can't even list them all. I will mention the horse community as a whole. Okay. And NSBA, what NSBA did. Ooh, for crisis fund. NSBA, what they did. And I wasn't there, obviously, but to hear what people said happened that night. Um, I still remember that night. The, the crisis fund. Where did they have the auction at? Uh, your auction would have been in Tulsa. Yeah, I remember it. And it was $30,000. People were crying. Yeah. 30000 is not insignificant. I think. Well, I, especially I, then. Right? Yeah. 30000 then is mm -hmm. a lot more now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so what the crisis fund did for, for me was extraordinary, right? Yeah. And, um, and then there's also uh, clients and Gretchen and, and their clientels and stuff. They, they put together this benefit auction type of deal. And it raised $100,000. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. And uh, had, that, had, had those two things not happened, I, I don't know what would have happened. You were out for a year, you mean? Yeah, my, my med flight that I the med flight helicopter is fifty grand. Oh my gosh. Your insurance not covering it? It covers like ten on like ten percent of that. So kind you of stuff. truly yeah. needed that. So insurance was good. I mean it's great insurance, but it no insurance is gonna cover sure. med flight. It, so it really was a blessing. It was it was a huge blessing. What else do we miss in your life story? What about some horses? Wait a minute, let me start this different. Your long time customers, uh, the last name is East. 
And I think that we can maybe use them to segue into the horses because they own a lot of horses. Uh, um, they've been with me for 22 years now, probably. You have so many long-term clients. It's incredible. That's great. It says a lot and, about you. And yes. they still got, you know, three or four year-round um, tra in training. And it just they love their paint horses. And they've had great ones. They've had great ones. Um, but they're very, they breed well. They raise well. They, they know what they're doing. And, and they keep me in keep me in business so um but if you, if if you for me personally yes i've had some good horses that everybody's got their their group sure. that, that stands out and and, sure. and and use them this and that but at the end of the day um you take two bloodlines that probably made it made a spoiler ranch it's full sensation mm -hmm. and a scenic impulse those two stallions um pretty much built the ranch i love scenic yeah we already said this once, but we'll say it again just for story's sake. The first year that the Riker did um color slot. They did they did a hundred thousand to the anybody mm -hmm. and then they did fifty thousand to the thirty five thousand. To the paints. Mm -hmm. Um and you won it on scenic. Yep. And Scott was second on chips. Yep. Yep. I remember that too. Yep. Crazy. And so yeah, Scenic was the very first Riker celebration winner. And how weird is it? Scenic Impulse and RL, right? Yeah. Brett Parrish won it on. Yep. <clears throat> yep. So those are both Sudden Impulse bred in horses. Oh my gosh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so how weird is it that that happened that night? And they've both been prolific studs for their respective breeds. Yep. Um, so I'd, I'd say Scenic Impulse was, till, till Scenic Impulse came along, was sensation was avenue to, to make a living through his, I mean, he bred so many mares, so there was a lot of offspring out there. And Zippo Sensation at, at, in his day was the uh, machine made of the paints. Agreed. Right? Agreed. I mean, yeah. they were trainable, mm -hmm. they were pretty, they loped, um, and it was just, they were beautiful. Yeah. Simon's ours always stood him, right? Yeah. Simon stood. Yeah. yeah. And so, as, as time goes, and, and I always said, you know, I want, I don't want to have to, I don't have to drive around everywhere to find everything that I need. So, you know, after Scenic won the record, I was like, yeah, Brady, some. And he has just, he's been a godsend for, for me and my career and to my career, stay in business. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, staying in business. So that stud has, if you do the percentages based on what he's bred, Percentage-wise, and what the results have been, it's one of the best. That's awesome. Absolutely one of the best. You think that's one of your biggest marks you leave behind? What? That's one of your biggest marks you leave behind is scenic impulse. I think that's a big, big feather in my hat. Should be. Yeah, I think uh, bonus stud, and to create him to be a world champion sire, mm -hmm. multiple, multiple, multiple times. Uh, that, that's a big, that's a big feather. <laughs> yeah, doesn't. That's a big feather. That's huge. Not everybody gets that chance. Um, the record celebration. We need to talk about that. Yeah, I mean that 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 was a time frame that that was. So I touched on this before, but um, so prior, I think to when the record and the Southern Bell and all these things, Southern Bell was maybe just before the record. Yes, I think so. Mm -hmm. I think the Southern Bell was going so well. Jr. had an idea. Does that makes sense. That would make sense. Okay, and so um, prior to that era, none of us were together. It was separate, and so. Southern Bell and then the Riker really brought us together. And 
Certainly the color slot was a huge deal. You were certainly a huge deal in it. Barrett had a... Amazing vision. Yeah, he did. I mean, if, if you really go back and you think about it, he wanted to bring something to the table for everybody. So, okay, I want to do this colored deal. Okay, what do you want to do? Well, then he says so, mm-hmm. right? And and I want this to be this people's group over here, core horses, okay? And I want you guys to have your thing. And so... Tim tells it like he had an idea meeting. Mm-hmm. It was you and him and I guess whoever else was there, but he really only talks about you and him. Right. It was somebody else talked a lot. Mostly it was you know, it was a core couple of you guys, and you had this thought. Do you agree with that? I agree. And, I, and so we all just had our... Ten cents that we gave to Jr. and, and Jr. would mull on it mm-hmm. and talk about it, and um, and then when he came back with the with the slot idea, it just gave everybody a chance. It gave it gave everybody wanted to a chance. A chance. Chance. They wanted it. The, the guys that or the ladies that didn't want it didn't have to. Um, but that that first one, first one is absolutely remarkable. What you have a weird look on your face, Sarah? Uh, is this the one that gave out the truck? The a Riker truck that they we gave had? away everything. Okay, but then did that money? Do those monies count towards your lifetime earnings, or was it like a clear thing where okay, they so just disappear magically into the abyss? The first time abyss? that the money counted for NSBA <laughs> was in 2008, and I know that because I was a limited rider when I won the Riker. I was never an intermediate rider. I was never an intermediate. I went for being limited. So at 2008 and forward, it was NSBA money. But I don't know about you because... And that's what... See, that's the thing. So... I don't think yours did because you're not in the quarter million dollars. Yeah, that's what I was just fixing to say. Exactly. You'd be in it 20 times. That's what I was just fixing well, not 20, to say. none of it was ours, approved. Ours counted from 2008. The this, other one this did. Is, on. This was my roundabout confused look. I'm like, how is he not in the quarter million dollar and I don't, And I don't understand. I don't remember why Colored Vision never got NSBA approved. I don't. I don't know why. It just disappears into the abyss. It's just like Garth and I. We talk about it all the time. Had it been, oh, I hear it from Tim all the time. You know, Tim um, actually has more lifetime earnings than you. He always. He actually does. When you go to the Robin Glenn thing, whatever that is, he has more. He's earned more money than me. Yeah, none of it's again. It's into the abyss. Well, maybe not anymore. Maybe <laughs> maybe not. But still, maybe five years ago, but still. But the that record. That first night when it was standing room only, man, you couldn't, you couldn't get in there. You couldn't even get down the street. Wasn't it amazing? Yeah, it was crazy. It's great. I'm glad I got to see it. You know what's really stupid? I sat at a table uh, right next to the pen, mm-hmm. your class, the color class. I remember Debbie Kale judged it. Debbie was right by me, mm-hmm. and I do not know why I remember that. I was just super young and dumb, but I remember Debbie Kale judging that horse show, and I remember you and, and Scotty, and. uh Showing and, and, and dueling it up. Really a two-horse class. Well, it was fun. It came down to the last judge. did, too. Yeah. Can we get back to that? I think we do. Oh, yeah. I think it's over that way. I mean, I don't, I don't think we... We'll never see that again. That was one and done. We don't have enough color breed business. We don't have enough trainers left to, to support that. that. Yeah. Okay, so tell me, um, how, many, how, many, how many did you win? How many years did you win it? Well, give, give me some stats. Well, like I got told. Mystic Mike. The the, the <laughs> record went for ten years. Yes. Right. Yep. How many of those did you win? And I judged the last one. I only got to show it nine times. 
And I think you did judge. I think you cost me more than one. That one. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, out of nine, I got five wins in a second. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I, that, and you know, things just, things just work out. Well, and it paid 35000 to win each time? Uh, there was the third year or so, they paid fifty grand. I remember paying fifty one year. Yeah. Okay, so thirty five times four plus fifty. One ninety. You plus, should definitely be in the quarter million dollar club. <laughs> plus twenty seven five for a second that one time. Oh there you go. Definitely. Don't forget about that. <laughs> that's, o- that's over two hundred and ten thousand. Was that the year Jen Jen Stein at the time Sonny won it? No, the the time I was second, Scott Subs won it on a special invitation horse. And Jennifer won it one year. And she won it one year. And you and Tim tied one year. Sarah Simons won one year. She did? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know she did. She did. Yeah, I think she did too. Not bad company. So, um, the record was great for me and actually a huge confidence booster. Aiden Ride, right? Mm-hmm. Um, horse on a big stage, lots of people. And so, as a horse trainer, then you, you get to, you, your system is in place. And you get to uh, understand do's and don'ts of what. You know what I miss about it, and I don't know why this is. It was such a positive atmosphere. I think even down to Alan, the announcer, just had a way of making you. I mean, just he nailed everything. I mean, there was always a, a show and the pyrotechnics and I, it, other horse shows. Even now, and I don't know why this is, and this isn't fair to all these other horse shows. And try and do things like that. We just want to get through it. Then it was so cool. Do you think it's just been done enough that it just wears itself out? Or it's like as soon as he left Tulsa, Jr. I met Magic was never the same. I think. I think. I agree. The recession too didn't help it. Yes, but I think had he stayed in Tulsa, I never his vision got big too big. He thought going to Fort Worth was going to bring him. Something different, and it never materialized. I think. I agree. I had he just said, you know what, Tulsa's big enough, and you know, just stay here. Let's just stay right here. I think it would have survived the thunderstorm. Interesting. I do think there's a theory about that, though. I mean, he I think he was running out of money. Fort Worth offered all that money, so I think he thought he could get some government money to get through the recession. Maybe. Who's to say? No, I mean we're just speculating. You want to phone a friend? <laughs> no. Yeah, all that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, but I, I do know. I do think. I've always believed that he had he stayed in Tulsa. Me too. That he could have made the whole thing work. Me too. You know why? I and 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 what confirms my thought is the App Nationals were huge in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. They were huge. Yes. Sold out. Yep. And the year they moved to Fort Worth. Done. Done. Mm-hmm. Stupid. Not the same. Mm-hmm. Done. So sometimes just stay home, right? Stay close to home. Stay the same. That's right. Which is a very good segue into my next question, because you and I have great talks. What do you think about making a living today and today's young horse trainer? To be honest. Yeah. Is Mike Hoxell and Katie Joe anything else? <laughs> <laughs> I think today's young horse trainer. Okay. Um. I've always said this. This is how I started. It's it's cool to win this, win that. I just want to make a good living. So I think my 
My best advice that I would ever give a young person say, if you worry about making a living instead of being famous, it'll work itself out. That That's what I think. I think that if a person worries about making a living, will develop a skill and he'll run his business correctly and accordingly and he won't be afraid of work. He's only worried about being famous, it's going to bite him. And you could say that about more than just making a living. I think you could say, if you worry more about winning than training horses, I think you could change the word training to teach very easily. Teaching horses. You lose, you can't make a living, I guess. Agreed. Right? Agreed. You know, and so, for me, for example, I, I am trying really hard, my age, okay? I'm, I see where the pain horse business is, is drifting, mm -hmm. okay? I get it. And, uh, Right here at this quarter we're still in Ohio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> here we are. Okay. And so I've, I've, I'm trying, I've, and I've been trying to get, you know, never going to have a full barn of AQHA horses, right? But I'm up to 50-50 right now. Okay. Unintentionally. It could happen. My goal is to do fraternity horses. Okay. Um, and you can come to, you can, I can use uh, these, these fraternities here example in, in Ohio and or bring a quarter or two or a paint it doesn't matter you can still show them and, and you've got to be open to that even if you're a young trainer and just because it's maybe um, maybe because it's not a good it's not a quarter horse or vice versa doesn't mean it's not a good horse absolutely not and with, with these shows the way they are you can show anything. Katie, you were second at the Congress on David Buckham. I was in the top ten in the freaking open threes on that. Nettie's, you say, Mike? The full blanket one. Yeah, yeah horses blanket. I love that horse. Horses are good horses. So you have half quarters and half paints. I mean, eventually you want to get puppy dog quarters on just to keep things simple. Yeah. Eventually, I, I see where everything's drifting, and I get it. But I'm never gonna, never going to completely abandon, ignore the good horses. I'm going to. I'm a horse trainer, so I'm all about getting the best that I can get. And and oh well, yeah, I'd, I'd love to get more into the quarters and fraternity horses and so forth. But how many horses do you keep? Keep 26 in training. And you know what? You got to have good help. How many horses do you want? I'll send you four right now. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the thing about it is, is uh, only as good as your help mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So you, you, in order to do 26, and that, that's why I'm not done right until 8 o'clock at night. Sure. That's you a know. lot. I mean, it's, it's a lot. But, uh, do you think I'm going to see you at the AQHA World Show soon? You will. You're going to see me this year, too. Ooh. Am I? Yeah. You gonna bring that nice Rona she showed last night? I'm gonna bring the Rona. I'm gonna bring another one. Can you not? What would it cost for you to not? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, good. I'm glad. I think um, I really do think best advice for a young hand would be just worry about being famous, about making a living. I really believe that a kid's got a chance though. Mm. Do you think this is a cryptic question? So everyone listening, please take this as positive as you can. <laughs> do you think it's possible for someone to quote unquote make it and what does making it mean today there you go that's a great question oh i like that question what, what is what is the meaning of making it i say as long as you're running a business 
and successful at running that business and it doesn't have anything to do necessarily with showing and getting a blue ribbon today under this guy or this girl. You know what I think it is? Because I've been in every situation um, not having any help. I don't mean like help in the barn. I mean financial help. Like mom and dad's not paying for credit card bills. Nothing like that. You've, you've been on your own for a while. You buy $500 worth of groceries and you know for sure your credit card's going to work. Because I have been there. We've all have been there. Anyone who's truly done it, oh, that's a stupid thing to say. It's not the only way you make it. You know, when, but you know, when you can go do the things that you need to do or want to do and you can. I think in the old days, making it was like winning something. I don't know if we've diluted this deal enough that it's, it used to be there was one junior pleasure and one senior pleasure and that's it. You know, and so I don't think this is the case, but maybe we've diluted it enough that there's so many chances and classes to win. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where this all stands. I just, I don't think that the definition of making it today is what it was when Cleve Wells was growing up. Okay, but still, I think people have a warped sense of success in this industry. Like, if you, Cleve Wells walked into Walmart, nobody knows who the heck he is. He walks around here and people treat him like he's a god, so it's a false sense of reality. Cleve Wells is a god. He I is. Sorry, Cleve, I love you. But you know what I'm saying. I don't, just kidding. I think, I think making it. Let's beat it up. Let's beat this up. You know what I think making it is? Let's beat up what we think making it is. Overhead. Mmm. Profound. Think about this. You can say what you want about Johnny coming in here. Johnny unloads his horses and he goes over there. He didn't win everything that weekend. But he did. I guarantee you one thing. He goes home and he ain't got no truck payment because it's paid for. The trailer payment because it's paid for. Speaking of this. Think about that. What did you say on task? What do you think making it is, Sarah? Then we're going to go back to the truck and trailer thing. I would say not sinking yourself in debt, not being angry because you're in debt. Um, do you think it has anything to do with winning? It has to have a little bit to do I, with I think that it's a, it's a cyclical thing. Like, more success will give, give you better customers, will give you, you know, more income, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not saying having 40 horses in the barn is the answer. For sure not. I'll compare what you just said about reciprocal success to, like, horse training. I think the horses that never made it, at some point in time, could have made it. Not all of them, but most of them. I think the most difficult horses, one at one day, tried, and whoever was riding them didn't give. It might have only been a small window. You know, like bad kids or bad horses, that day that they try, the person with them is so beat up, they just they miss the window. Mm-hmm. And so they jerk them down instead of letting go, so to speak. Right. You know? I think that There's the reciprocal no customer is a little bit like that too. Yeah. I think it's like you, everybody has had the customer, everybody. And every horse has tried one day and every bad kid has been good one day. It's not that the opportunity wasn't there. It's that the person at the receiving end of it didn't do the right thing. Didn't take good enough care of the customer. Wasn't a good enough horse trainer. Wasn't, see what I'm saying? Didn't act it. Act it. The way it needed to be. Yep, yeah, you just missed your window, or you didn't you react in the right way. It's all timing and feel, I guess. Right, and so everything's reciprocal, and so sometimes making it is simply having good timing in some way in life. True, <laughs> you know. But making it, making it, you can only make it longevity. Yes. You can't make it in three years here. No, Rome wasn't built in a day. That's okay. for sure. You're talking about you, longevity. 
is the real way to make it. Take your longevity to be a good businessman all the way through. I would say you, you're, you impress me with how many long-term customers you have. Like that's unheard of. 20 plus years, 30 plus years. Is and so insane. when you say longevity, how many years? Like Sarah said, is it, I mean, you got to do this 20 years, 30 years. I don't think you you can put a, a year on it. What what I mean by longevity is I'm just beating you up here because you're a good conversationalist. Well, I want to hear. I, I think wanna, I think longevity is is exactly <laughs> what we're talking about, and, and everybody has this group of people in their life. But you take a, a Mr. Howard, who's who's been with me for thirty something years. The East family, twenty something years. I the coach of family in Nebraska. They've been with me for twenty something years. Um, you know, so and they all still have horses. Training. Well, like you said, you so, found a way to keep them in the horse business too, but keep them interested. You, you develop that relationship. You, de yeah. you develop that business sense that, that everybody's worked together over the years, and you, and you created. Um, they wanted, still wanted to be with you in that avenue. Okay, without losing that train of thought, let me ask you this real quick: yes or no question. With those customers keeping them involved, did you make it about more than horses, or did you keep it just about horses? More than horses. Your friends. Yeah, we have friends. a personal relationship. Sure we do. In doing that, we're going to write back to where we were. It's just real quick. And in doing that, do you, you let them into your house, so to speak? No, no, no. Right. I know you didn't, so I knew you were going to say that. You did. No. <laughs> no. Well, you don't count. No, not at all. But if, if uh, you know, if the East family, um, they wanted to go somewhere, we said, hey, Mike, you and Tammy want to go on, on a, a road trip here? We're going to go to Nashville for the week. And you want to go? I'll be afraid to go with him. If Mr. Kocha, who runs his chiropractor clinic in, in, in Nebraska, and he's putting on a seminar, he's like, hey, Mike, you want to come over and do what I do? Be afraid to go. You, know? you, you create these friendships then. They're doing what you want them to do by keep horses in your barn. Don't be afraid to go. Do what they want you to do. do what oh, they my want gosh. Do. Running a horse business is so much more complicated than just training horses. Mm -hmm. um, the easiest thing we do is train horses. Yeah. So longevity, back to longevity. Is that part of making it? Of course, so that is part of making it. Yeah. I think I think longevity is, is, is a huge part of, of making it. And the word longevity can be on any scale. It doesn't have to be how many times you've won this or won that. And But to go back on our very first question, it was success. I was going to go there. It's funny you did that just now because I was thinking, how much do you have to win to feel like you've won enough? Do you feel like you've won enough? Me? Yeah. Um, well, that's a tough question. Do you, Mike? Um, I feel that I have won more than I ever dreamed of. That wasn't the question. Okay. But now, now let's get it right. Every time I walk in there... I like the way that I can beat this. Don't think, <laughs> don't think I don't want to go in there and, and put it on you every single time. Yes. Now, but I never won another thing. I'd be happy. I've got, I've got two goals left, and I'm going to work my butt off trying to get those two Are you going to share them with us or no? No. <laughs> okay. But I have a couple goals left. So have I won enough? Um, I've got a couple goals left. Here's my answer to that question. I am fine with what I've won. I hate when people treat me like I'm not good enough. That pisses me off. That's my... I realize that if anyone treats me like that, they probably suck. Or they, they're a crummy person and I shouldn't let them have that power over me. It's probably a personal problem, yeah. I don't like feeling challenged. Like, I don't, I don't ever want to challenge you, Mike. I don't ever want 
to make you feel like I think you're not good enough. Right. Does that make sense? Agreed. And I don't like when people make me feel like I'm not good enough. That pisses me off really bad. Right. And that 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 might, as much as I'm a cool chick, I think that most of the hero woman stuff, man haters, is BS. I think that's the only thing I probably feel. I think a lot of people, men, look down on me because I'm a woman and I'm not good enough. At the pleasure horses. Not you. Right. People like you. Not real men. Right. Not Gil. Not Rusty. Right. Not Mike. Those are real men that would never treat a woman bad. Right. I mean, some people just make me feel like I'm, they don't think I'm good enough. And that makes me mad. And I, I'm not saying I'm amazing. I'm saying I'm, I'm sore. I'm saying I'm good enough. You are. <laughs> Dang it. I'm a person too. But other than that, no, I think I've won enough. I don't, how much more stuff do I have to win? Exactly. I mean, I, I'd like to win the Open Threes. I mean, do, you have a goal? do you have a goal or two? In the Western. We'd like to win the, the world show once. Yeah, you know what? I've never won. I've never won the AQHA World Show and gotten a globe. I've won the green. Um, I've never won and gotten like a real globe. I would like a gold globe. There you go. Well, that's a gold. Globe. I have. A so seat. have you? Have you won enough? You I say, have... you say no. I've got a gold. <laughs> but that being said, back to our other question. I'm so happy with myself and my family and where we're at that I guess. I don't think if I never if I never win one, it's not going to keep me up at night. It's not going to say that you didn't make it. If it ended today, you'd be okay with it. So I th so I think we're going to go to the word validation. Like I don't need validated. I don't need that to validate myself. There you go. Or your career. Or find happiness. There you go. Yeah. There, there you go. go. There you go. I think it's really really hard. Okay. And everybody knows me much as being color breed boy. Well, you're the color guy. You know what I'm saying. You want to go chippy about it? Are you chippy about it like Tim is? Are you chippy about it like Tim is? So you're chippy because you're a woman. I, I am a little chippy about it. He's better now. He used to be real freaking chippy I, about I, it. I, I see when I unload a load of horses and I've got two pretty loud colored ones, you know, and a, and a couple solid ones or whatever. I, I, think they, I think there's a group of people that look at me in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. To your, to your point of what you were talking about. Um, but... I don't let that get to me at all. I, I just keep doing my thing and, and whatever. And um, I, I think I'm looked at a little bit different sometimes. I'm here to tell you that you're not. I understand how you feel because I cannot convince my husband otherwise. Yeah. I think it's it's something that... Um, I think he used it as his motivation. The same way that I don't really think that anybody actually thinks I'm not good enough. It's just how they make me feel. Yeah. So I manifest it to stay motivated. Yeah. Say maybe the same for you because yeah, I do. I agree. I, I use it as my motivation too. Yeah, because you. I mean, you gotta have something to motivate you. So, you do you it. care more about what your peers think about you or what the judges think about you when they're judging you? Well, I think it's both. I think it would go crazy if you think if you care about what the judges think about you. Ultimately, you never really know, and it always changes. I think that's a twofold question. I, I really do. I think you worry about what your peers think, but those those judges standing in the middle of the arena, let's not mis let's not be mistaken. Or also they're like, well, who who's who's this guy? Huh. Well, I wasn't expecting that angle. I haven't seen Mike. Is that his name? Oh, well, yeah. And the other judge says, well, yeah, that's Mike. He's, he shows paints. Ooh. Or he, or he shows colored horses. You, you know what they're called. No, I get it. They're conversations. Don't think they don't have these conversations. They well, they're do. humans like us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They're going to talk at dinner. They're going to whatever. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. All I'm saying is these, these conversations take place. So it's harder for a guy like me who they don't see every weekend at every quarter horse show to come and slip in once or twice a year at these NSBA events or whatever.
and slip in and, and say, hey, buddy, I am on this speckled roan horse. That's the quarter horse. <laughs> and this horse over here that's got some wood color to him. They're going to be like, yeah, I don't see Mike every weekend. So I don't know this guy. It is about perception and it is about, you know what, let's be honest. If you're in front of them every weekend, they see you, they know who you are. If you're not in front of them every weekend, now, okay, who's got, what's going on over here? Hey, that's, that's nice. But is it nice enough? We don't know But yet. is it nice enough because <laughs> yes. I've seen this guy every weekend for three weeks and I just bought a horse from him. Yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you might want to scratch that up. Or not scratch that up. <laughs> no, that's funny. <laughs> We're not even going to scratch this part. <laughs> and all this goes back to you having to hire John back in the day. Yeah. No. I, I, <laughs> you led me into that. It's as a, I, well, for a second I scared myself. I thought I said too much. Then you said more and it was amazing. I think I'm a very polarizing person. And I really want good for everyone and everything. And I'm very nice. But I don't buy into just because we pay the money to enter the class, we're not allowed to have an opinion about anything. I think it's okay for us to say, listen, that's not right. And I don't think, you know, like we, someone's got to say something. I think where we are in a dangerous spot in, in, in uh, let's, let's say the Western pleasure world, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here that I have two avenues to make a living. Being the color breed business to make a living. And some quarter horse business to make a living. So I'm making my living, okay? So I can retire someday. I have to retire as a horse trainer, and that's not easy. So I will take these two avenues that I do to make a living. So I can see things on a different side of the fence. One organization or one or, or another event, whatever sure. you whatever you want to say. I personally do feel that in the Western pleasure world that we live in today, I think I think we do have some issues that need to be addressed. Too, and it's okay. I think, I think avoiding them and pretending like the issues aren't there is making the issues bigger. I would like to, I'd like to be able to do it in a positive way. Yep. I I feel like looking back, um, like when Alex Ross stepped in there, you know, and and and, and took that job with AQHA and stuff. I think it became such a negative thing. We weren't that broken. We didn't have that much to fix. But by the time we all got done beating it up, we seemed broken. So I don't want to have that conversation again. We're already so badly perceived by the public. We can't even have comments on videos right now So for elite classes. So I would like to be able to make things positive. I don't. Would you agree with that? I'm, I'm the rule book says. Absolutely. Rule book says. I think it's, the book says, stay out of the penalty box. That's, that's my mindset. I think if, if, if everybody followed that, we wouldn't have near the confusion. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Although I don't think it's that simple. I think staying out of the penalty box means don't break, don't get caught pulling. You're pinning. Don't, don't do all those things. There's, it's just not that easy. Like Those horses sort themselves. About the ones that don't sort themselves. Still got to judge them. It's supposed to be judged by ease of movement, then quality, and then degree of difficulty, but none of that's ever followed. It goes from the top down. The degree of difficulty term really makes me mad. Here's why. I've said for a while, to the angst of many of my very good friends who think I'm an idiot, um, we just got to stop riding the brake and go forward a little bit. It fix everything. Agree or not? I agree. 
I know you're. Well, you're speaking to the choir well, here. Because we're the same on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> know that you will agree with this. So yes, you agree. Okay. And so when you use the level of difficulty term, everybody who says, "No, Katie, you're wrong," because it's easier for horses to do that, and so you lose your level of difficulty. My response to everyone listening: <laughs> anyone who's ever had to pass on a drape and and maintain your rhythm off the rail so while all these horses are loping sideways and swishing their tail in your horse's <coughs> face. Let me tell you right now, it's way more difficult to pass than it is to stay safe in that little trap on the rail. Mm-hmm. So you can take going slow as the level of difficulty thing as your excuse for going slow and stick it somewhere. It is way more difficult mm-hmm. to pass and show forward mm-hmm. in today's climate than it is to go slow. In that trap on the rail. Especially if you're not, like, running. Like, if you're controlled and have rhythm and cadence and you're... You run the risk of running every time you pass. We, I think we have the... I think we have one of the toughest... No. The toughest event to show in. We're the ballerinas. Do you we, think it's easier to be a football player and hit somebody hard? Or be a ballerina and do everything as slow and gracefully as Every step matters. And be witnessed under a spotlight. That's right. So, we're expected. The roping, the raining. But... These other events, they're, they're they can if they want to stop their horse, they get the they get the whole whoa. And they contact the, with the contact, yes. Yeah, we're expected to from the moment we walk in the arena, we are expected to be a full drape, mm-hmm. hand down, never touch him. That's our expectations. We're not saying that that happens every time, but that's the expectation. We're supposed to stop with no contact. We're supposed to go forward at all these different gates with no contact. Yep. We are supposed to turn around. And go the other direction, do all that, and then we're supposed to shift in and out of lanes with absolutely zero contact. So don't tell me that this is easy. Even the cutters get to walk in the show pen while the judges are watching and car wreck their horses basically right. before they get out there. I mean in the raining, when you stop, you can you can draw on them and say, Whoa, you're not we gonna can't score do any of that and you're, you're right, not right. gonna score as high, but you can still so I, do I, it. I do think we have the most difficult event. Of all of them. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. So when you go then to your degree of difficulty, I had a talk with a higher-up person. <laughs> Hierarchy. <laughs> higher-up person last year. And I go to the Paint World Show and have this two horses. They win their pleasure classes. Duh, you my got to. Duh. Now, now when you go to the Paint World Show, okay, it's one thing preached. Those judges, you want forward flow. That, that is preached, and that's what they are expected. We are all told that long before. Okay, doesn't mean you're running. It just means you're not chippity chip. So your horses can go there and be judged by this group of people, and then a couple of that group of people that judged you, and your horses do very well. And a month later, you can go to Tulsa, Oklahoma. That same couple can judge that same horse that you had judge it totally different and you can't get along at all because you are not raked backwards rated backwards if that's the word bada boom bada bang you your forward flow goes right out the window okay and so the only way that i can think of to describe i did this by accident one time i was trying to describe to somebody what i didn't like about the horse we were watching Stupid, but we had just left the Pasifino show. There was Pasifino's at the worst show. Oh, the Murphy's Beer show. And yes. Yeah. And I had the sounding board. 
And I said, if you blindfolded, there was a horse behind it that wasn't nearly as broke, but it was like doing a one, two, three beat. You know, like it was loping. Yeah. I said, if you were blindfolded and you sat here and you put these two horses on the sounding board, the horse you don't like is going to sound like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And the horse you do like is going to sound like, these things, I, I don't know how to describe it other than one, two, three, one, two, three, not one, two, half, three. And I, I don't, I think we've sacrificed everything for this huge hawk split. It, horses don't split their hawk like that in the pasture. It used to be kind of cool when you canted them over just a little bit. They could swing together, and there you put their outside hind leg under your ass. Oh, like that's where your power came from. And now it's like this, we're making ourselves crazy trying to make these horses do this, and we're all miserable, and the internet hates it, and the horses hate it. And it doesn't translate to the all-around. Not at all. We made it so hard that the all-around guys basically, I mean, because I don't, there's probably somebody that sells more horses than us, but I don't think there's very many. Right. really don't. Nine times out of ten, the phone call always starts with, I don't really care about the pleasure. It needs to be broke and carry itself so it can do what I want to do. We've done that to ourselves. I don't really care about the pleasure because if they're a good pleasure horse, they're not good at anything else anymore. Well, because so many people are trying to make these horses do something they can't do. They can't do it. So this kid, a great, great question. This kid comes up to me this morning, and we're just talking about something. He goes, how come I never see you this, this, or this with your feet? Your horse is just, they loft around there, and they do this, this, or this. But <laughs> I never see your feet raked around and doing this or that. It's always my fascination. And he goes, can you explain how you how you do that? That's why they call him Mystic Mike. And I said, there's two ways. There's just two things. It's very simple. When you go out to buy a yearling in the pasture, you saw it lumping across the cornfield. You bought it because you, A, liked the way it was made, or B, you liked the way it moved. You liked the way it carried itself. It, brought, it drew attention to your eye. That's why you purchased the animal. So if you liked it that much when you bought it like that, why are you, you going to take it away when you... No. So I said, continue your, your, your the self-caves. Do it himself, if you can. He does it on a lunch rope, so let him have that. Now, now you got to train him. You, you use your trainability. But if you rode just like that, use those only two vices while you're doing your work. Some horses longer than others can't do what this little guy can do. He can't do what that one does. You have to take your poison. Is this a sweepy loper? Is he a posty loper? Separate the two. Don't train him to be a posty loper if he can't do it. Lengthen one and tighten the other. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it is what, it is that. So, yeah. so that, there you go. I do think there was a little bit, and this is the last thing we'll say about this. I think there was a mentality for about years to a decade in our trainers. I was younger, let's say 90s, early 2000s, when the thought process about pleasure horse was, you know, break apart the pieces and then put them back together. I think, right? You yeah, know what I'm talking yeah, about? I, I, like, I remember. Still say I remember. That. Yeah. yeah. Break apart the pieces and put them back together. I think the problem is, I would like to think we shouldn't have to break them apart as much, especially with the focus on the all around now and not us. But bigger than that, 
We're putting it back in a way that only makes sense when you're shown. Jim's favorite phrase is, all I want to do is stop, roll back, and lope to the mailbox. Mm -hmm. I just want to go, whoa, one hand, <laughs> roll him back over my right knee, kiss with my left foot, and have him lope off and go to the mailbox. And somehow, we've made that a super difficult maneuver for pleasure horses. Nah. Which, we're going to go back to our rule book, is the definition of what we're supposed to be doing. Correct. And that now has become the degree of difficulty because everyone else is overcomplicated. Now, I will say this to everyone listening. Why it is that we're the only equine event or discipline that can't pack the bridle, I'll never understand. Agreed. Because, to be honest with you, if you really want us to put a great foundation on a horse that can go do every other event. Like we just discussed. They've got to pack the bridle. Or at least be good in their job. And I think to ask a horse to carry itself and keep its back flat, not round, and make it point its nose out is almost impossible and unfair. Can't be done. So people are finding ways around that. Correct. That's part of the problem. And that's part of the reason our horses look weird. That's part of the reason that we're having to find gimmicks because, please, if anyone's listening, our horses have got to pack the bridle. Every athlete, no matter the species, have you ever seen a guy on the track bust up out of the starting blocks with his back not round and his chin not to his chest? Have you ever seen a gymnast come out of a somersault with his chin not to her chest? Do, I mean, exactly. Every have you ever seen a greyhound run down the track not round? Why is it? Have you ever seen a ballerina? I mean, just I could go on and on here. Why is it that the Western Pleasure Horse and the Hunter Hunter Saddle Horse, both of whom have to be horse trained? Have you ever seen a big time jumper not in not in your hand? Oh, the giant pillow. You see what I'm saying? Why does the Pleasure Horse not allowed to? And I and I don't know. Makes sense to me. I, I don't know where this all even began. I don't either. I don't know where it started. Because truthfully, the most unnatural thing a horse doing our event can do is stick their nose out. I thought it was. I thought we were doing great. I mean, I really did. I did too. And and I think about, I think about how many transitions I've had to make in my career. Just to style. So from yeah. And oh, so, you've seen more than me. So when I started, because you were training horses when I was a youth kid, you yeah. saw some shit. Yeah. Oh baby. Awesome. <laughs> old and then, so I'm thankful for that because I get to pull out some old school <laughs> tricks to do two handed and a snaffle. I mean. It, it was, at first, um, when I worked for Ernest, okay, you could, it was nose to the chest. Oh, man. Full yeah. drape, feet on the desk. Doug Lilly right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. The peanut rollers or whatever. Well, no, 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 no. That was later. That yeah. was later. Or before. No, later. 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 So when I went on my own, you could be full drape and a snaffle. And <laughs> Hackamore's really, I mean, it, so snaffle bits, basically, right? And uh, low man, just give me some drink. The, your next, the next section was okay. We can, you can be full drape. Um, now we want your, want your neck to be up a little bit, and you be chippity up front. You can be, you can be that a was little, early nineties. You can be chickity. It's fine. But but let's just try to get our necks up a little bit. Now you can be over bridled. We want your necks up, and we want some. We want to see some drape now. We don't care what his legs are doing. 
Then we went to the next section where now we wanna now we wanna see some better <laughs> legs. Now that you now that you got your neck up and you got some drape, now we wanna see some better legs. So let's start with the back end. Then we went from that, then we went to the front end. Then we got the front end, and then we went, okay. Front end Now we want our nose out. <laughs> you, you, at all this time you guys should still have their necks up while you're doing all this back end, front end stuff. Mm -hmm. But now we want your noses out. And, and I found in my career that if I didn't change with the change, I'm gone. No. Well, yeah, because it all matters. What the right. judges decide they want is what matters. Yep. That's what so, we do. I don't know where they can go from here. But all I do know is that when we lose our group of horsemen that are in there, when we lose that group, we're in big trouble. Because, I agree 100%. Because our younger group, they've got to decide now what is sound, what is not, what is realistically possible of getting done and what can't be done okay there's yes in you in the rule book in the perfect scenario this is ideal yes i get that and at, at your at your major horse shows you might find two that's it you might find two and a half three horses that can do this the rest of them can't so what are you going to do now you've got to decide what's more important legs to i'm a leg guy Me too. i'd rather pick a leg over than a board level or above level neck. I mean, give me some trainability here. Absolutely. So I think I think that's what they need to preach though in their in their seminars or whatever they're doing, right? They're not. They're preaching right. they're they're not, they're preaching top line. Ease of movement. Ease of movement is not that we're doing this herky jerky gate half of us. So we're not that's moving. That's what I'm neck. saying. That was that. Why you want to preach that. Yes. I I just if we would just Go forward just a little bit. I don't even mean chase them. I mean, it's still too slow to do the Western riding. Just stop riding the brake and let us pack our face. I don't mean chin to chest. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, on the vertical. Course. On the vertical. Yeah, that should be normal. Not behind, maybe on. I mean, I don't understand why that's... Our job is to get them broke so they can go on and do other things. How do you do a horsemanship pattern with your nose sticking Well, if they're going out? around so natural they're sticking their nose out, I say natural in quotation marks, they're sticking their nose out, how's it going to go do the horsemanship? Well, is anything. it going to do the entire pattern with this nose sticking straight out? I'm just curious. Or change a lead or anything. What? Are you going to teach how to change leads sticking its nose out? Frankly, do they even neck rein at this point? They're on a drape. What, what is the definition of nose out? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, no, serious. In, in your perception, you can sit there and say... Well, personally, I love a horse-trained horse. What I mean by that is, like, old school, I know that I can pick my hand up and close my feet, and it's going to come together like an accordion and round up. Right? Mm -hmm. is, that, is, that a, is that a fair enough definition? Yeah. So to me, if you're going around with your nose stuck too far out, I'm pretty much insulted. How are you going to get a hold of this guy? <laughs> Great way to say Yeah, I mean, like, I'm insulted. Frankly, I showed a horse this spring is Bush I mean, Cassidy I mean, horse. What's a he stuck his nose out so perfect that I was uncomfortable. I mean, what's what's it? I mean, it's even more offensive than a hackamore. You, feel, you feel like you're out of control. What? And he was always respectful about it. And I shake my hand, and he'd get over bridle like he's supposed to. But it made me. I just felt like, okay, no, a little uncomfortable here. And every time I hated it, everybody's like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" And I'm like, I might look good, but I. Feel like a duck out of water. <laughs> I mean, if I over and undered it, it would leap in the air instead of go faster. Yeah, right. But, I, I'm but, getting the swan back. But I think that if that's what it takes all the time to succeed, 
And you're talking, you're probably talking about why the pleasure horse industry is getting smaller. I agree. Is because there's only one percent of people that can do that done. No, and less than that of horses. Yeah. We're making this an elitist situation. My bigger problem is the spread and the judging too. It's like, how can the first place horse also be 14th with no mistakes? Is there no consequence for that? I just want someone to have a conversation with them afterwards, that's all. That's what I'm saying, the spread is too big, explain yourself. And I think if I have a $1,500 entry fee... You deserve as much. Somebody asked a question. You know the best days? Just for pleasure. Remember those days? Oh, they used to give reasons. Yes, yeah, they absolutely. did. And then they used to pay the paycheck right there too. I judged it three times, I loved it. That's because you knew what you were doing. Can I have a microphone? But that's accountability. Okay? Transparency. Accountability. All of that. If, if, if you don't have to explain anything ever... I always loved John may... Boxel when he did that too. I was like, you and John, it was two other people, they give great reasons. And you never shied away from it. I th but I think that's that's a lot of it. If, if you don't have to go back and look at a judge's review in a, in a video, if you don't ever have to answer to anything about... The, the pleasure of the hunt seat, the, the non-score. Anything. There's no if, score if, sheet we can go and check. If, if you don't ever have to say one thing or the other, it's easy to separation to be, like you say, first to 14th, first to 8th, second to 3rd, second to 7th. I mean, the spread can be that way if you don't have to f explain yourself to anyone. I'm not even saying, like, judges are humans. A lot of, I mean, our friends. Like, I don't think they're... they're they're us, mostly. So th this isn't coming from a place of criticism. I'm literally saying that I think, especially in the maturity classes, I think our efforts, cost of horses and our time, our $1,500 entry fee, warrants someone saying, hey guys, we were just on the biggest stage. And this was not good for us. Like Mike, we were talking about how those classes go dictate how much and where you can sell those horses. Agreed. They dictate that. So it doesn't come a place from a place of anger. It comes from a place of self-improvement. How do I know how to improve the next time I show to you if I have no reasons, explanations as to why you put me where you did? How do I bring new customers to a horse show and say, I told you that's a nice horse, let's go buy it, when it was 1st and 14th and 8th and 2nd? The spread doesn't make sense. Someone new to the sport would have no clue what horse to buy even if they had a blank check. You and I can... You and I can sit there and think, my gosh, this thing is phenomenal. This thing jogs, it lopes, it backs up, it packs this lady around phenomenally. It is a soldier. And you can go show it. Now, you just sold it out back. And, you, and you've got this client all jacked up, ready to go show. It shows exactly how you want to show, but yet it doesn't, do, it doesn't get to that stage that you thought it would get to because that was the real deal. It's hard to explain. It's immensely frustrating. When you, when you as a horseman, you know better, you, and you know it's the real deal. That's the part where I think you're getting to, right? It's immensely frustrating for all of us. I feel like you're in my head right now. Yeah. Because as a person who buys and sells a lot of horses, and also I have a ton of empathy and I really like people, and I don't, I want to do good by people, right. and I want good for people. So when someone says, you know what, whatever you think, and I'm not an arrogant person, I know a lot about a couple things in life. One of them is horses, and I know, you know, that this is a nice horse. I'm going to say it has to win every time. There's a lot of nice horses. Right. But, but you're in the conversation. But you at least got to keep me, keep keep this horse on a good ride. You know when you have a bad ride, too. Mm -hmm. Okay.
It has you know? to be in the conversation. And you know, sometimes when you have a good ride, the pen doesn't break good for you. Right. Like sometimes you just can't help it, but you're on the rail and you had your own spot and all of a sudden there's five horses around you and you just didn't get shown. That's and right. it's not anyone's fault. So you know that too. That's right. Well, that takes self-reflection. I mean. Right. But on the day that you get shown, you know they saw, it still doesn't work. Those are the days I'm like, I, I falter. Right. Everybody though, like that's just a human response. You know who I don't think ever falters? I have never seen Brett Parrish, man. <laughs> I, I have not seen the man upside either. No. Should we phone him if I ask him how he does it? I mean, like, <laughs> some people like that, they're just, I, I, I don't even, I, I don't understand how that happens. Because for me, sometimes I'm like, come on. I want to, um, let's get off this. We mentioned trucks and trailers a while ago. And now uh, we were talking about, um, you know. Dead. About. Overhead. Dead. Overhead. What year is your truck? Oh, I just got a, a new one. 21. Or it's a 20. It's a 20. Before that? A 16. Hey, right. we're on the same time schedule. Okay, and your trailer? <laughs> um, It's an 08. And do you take great care of it? Yes. What I mean that is bearings, grease, all stuff. Correct. Clean it out. Just stay under storage. You see it outside of home. That's hard to do sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's in the sun. Um, I'm sure you take care of it like you take care of your farm. Correct. And ask me what ours is. Uh, how old your trailer? Uh, it's a, it was Rusty Green Gold trailer before we went to River Capital, so I think it's a 2001 okay. truck. How about that truck? I think it's a, a 16. How many miles? How many miles are on it? Big Thanks. Gate. Thank you, Brett. Big Five hundred thousand. And um, your upkeep on this? My husband. Yes. Like yourself. Yes. Is. On top of it with maintenance. Is, is this a color thing? Like, do the color people just... I think it's different. <laughs> I, really, I really think it's different. The standard of care seems I a really lot higher. I really do think there's some, some merit to that. I think all you guys... The standard of care, the aisleways. You take better care of your aisleways, mm -hmm. generally. Why is that? I mean, I look at you and Schaefer and Tim and Simons and... They run a tight ship. Uh, Scott... Old days, and why is that? Why is keeping it things like well, that? Well, no, I just no, I just I feel like the paint and the appaloosa people take way better care of their things. Is it because it's less about point to toe and cracking a hot than it than it is being a horseman? I think uh, just keeping talk about keeping your things up, just taking care of your stuff. I've always had one golden theory in my head. Yeah. <laughs> it might be warped. <laughs> but if I walk down, and this is how I treat my alleyway, this is how I treat my barn, I just, it's just a weird thing. I've had it for years. And I said, you can always judge a person by his alleyway. Yes, you can. You are my and I said, I say, I could have married you too. And, this, <laughs> and the boy that works for me goes, what are you talking about? I said, well, you can always judge a person, I think. Alleyway, so let's keep our alleyway clean. Be clean like our barn. I said, exactly. Like that. <laughs> and I said, but I think you, you, you look at a person's alleyway, that's probably how they keep their house. I really believe that. So, Alan, <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, I said, keep our alleyway clean. Mm -hmm. And that'll represent how we keep our facility. Blah, 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 blah. Just a weird. 
I know it sounds weird. No, it doesn't. Tim says two things. And this is all I'm going to say. Last thing about Tim, but this is, you guys are, so, so he says, mostly work, work for millionaires who are used to nice things and nice places. There you go. They probably don't want to come back to your alleyway. Mess. Right. And I shortened that, but second thing he says is, on the day when you have a bad day in the show pen, they come back to the aisleway and it's spick and span and the horses are clean and fat and your stalls look amazing and they can't complain about anything else. They just got beat really bad that day. Okay. But the day that you have a bad day in the show pen and they come back to your stalls and it looks like a bomb went off, your horse is out of water and there's very little hay in the hay bag. Their saddle pad they just paid 800 bucks for is thrown all over in the tack room. And there's no water to drink in the cooler or beer. That's the day you lose your customer. Right. Yeah. That's right. Do you think that, this is a weird question, but do you think your presentation like of who you are as a person matters in this industry? Like public perception? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If you go, well, you're talking in front of public. Yeah. Yeah. Your peers and everybody. Absolutely. I have a weird response to this. I think it matters for longevity. I think if you're winning everything, you can be out there. Yeah. But the day you don't win, you're done. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather go as like, hey. We'll worry about longevity. Yeah. yeah. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Exactly. It just amazes me to see like the spectrum of behaviors and how it affects results. <clears throat> I think there's a correlation there. Don't you think that behavior is reality? perception is reality to a degree like if you if you live your life daily um i'll use brett Ferris as an example because we talked about him <laughs> he's a patient quiet man sure so his horses are mostly patient and quiet his customers are mostly patient and quiet and docile people you know their their dogs are well behaved mm-hmm. you know these things their mantra has become the reality i think if you're Wild and out there over here, you're probably going to be wild and out there over here. Is that, you know what I mean? I just, yeah. I think that's a, you're organizing your 10 and 2, most likely your horses and your kids and your dogs are too. Not always. There's always, that's right. most likely that's the case. I right, got to wrap this up. So. First of all, before we wrap it up, I'm going to say this. So I just want to say one thing. I, thank you for asking me to be on here. Of course. No, uh, number two, I think we're driving here uh it's a 16 hour trip so iron hand was driving. and so instead of him listening to the radio or whatever we did the podcast all of your shows he drove for i don't know three or four hours he i'm listened, sorry i laughed so loud and he listened <laughs> and he i don't he listened to a lot of a lot of your interviews and the next time he got in the truck he said, hey can you hey, can you plug that back on here right quick but yeah, his next shift of driving, listen to the rest. Okay, my point to this story is that he got out of there listening to whoever you were interviewing. He he got to listen to their stories or their advice, and you're doing a lot of good things. This young man, he he's like, wow, this, wow, that, that was cool. You know, this was funny. This was real. I never knew that. So you're you're doing a lot of good things. Just by letting this group, yeah, and and that young group, hear that, you would say, oh, you know, I never thought about it that way. So I just wanted to tell you, thank you for 
given it some young kids, actually. Oh, Sarah, we're getting back in the saddle with Mystic Mike. Yeah. Uh, well, I have a very important thing to ask you. Yes. No? Oh, no, wait. Sarah, this is you. These are Sarah's questions. I don't even know if I remember how to ask them. It's been so damn long. Tornado team. Tornado One team. of them is, you get to do them. Everybody lives. And everybody lives. Two, you might live, you might die. Three, mutually assured destruction. No one will ever know. Okay. So go, ask him. This is your So job. your first tornado team person is someone that you will probably both live, right? That's how it goes? Doing it right? You know, because you're, you're prepared on this. He's disappointed in us. Hang on, maybe you just pick three. I thought you were asking me, this. I mean, we're going to, you're going to section this. Yeah, this yeah. is fine. Okay. I thought you were going to ask, like, okay, I have to pick this one person. Yeah. Okay. So you, do you want to <laughs> die or live? Oh, this is how it goes. You're supposed to, okay. Okay, so Mike, this is very important. Yes. Tomato uh, teams. Okay. Have to pick two people. Pick two? Yeah, pick two people. For the love of God. Well, the first person, you're going to sleep with them and everyone's going to know. Okay. And the next person, the tornado is coming and you're both going to die. No one will ever know. <laughs> <laughs> no one will ever, ever know. No, no. ever know. Never know. It'll be, it'll, you will die with it. Like, like if it's your best friend's wife, they'll never know. It's just hypothetical best friend, so he's not going to do it. Sorry, Tammy, if it's not you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it cannot be Tammy, because that's not fair. Well, my first person is Tammy. Can't. No, can't be Tammy. Uh, 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 that's cheating. That's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, that's... I, mean, I just want the one question that says, okay, just, just pick the one. Okay. You're both going to die. You know what? Make your own tornado team, Mike. <laughs> you're both going to die. Make your own rules. <laughs> Who do you pick? Who do you pick? So you're saying, Katie Joe, that I'm on a deserted island. Okay? And the only way off this island is to have a romantic evening with this one said person. Yep, that's it. Yep, that's that's a tornado question. How did you know? Oh. <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready. Paul Abdul. She was my heartthrob when I was a kid. She's an ex-Laker girl. Paula Abdul? I'm going to tell you the truth. She's got an annoying voice. I haven't seen her in years. Yeah, but we hear her I'm talk just saying. a lot. Paula Abdul? I was in love with her when I was a okay, kid. Okay, now pick a worse person. No. Why? <laughs> there isn't one. There isn't one. Paula Abdul. I had this lined up in my head for months if I ever got on this radio <laughs> show. <laughs> Oh no worse person? No, there isn't one. You know, the truth about this question is, Sarah, although it's wildly entertaining for us, half the time they won't let us publish it, so I appreciate you'll do this. Okay. The only one who actually played fair was Cleve Wells. He's the only one who actually played a lot. That's pretty funny. Anyways, she says, thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Mike, we love you. Hey, love you too. Good luck tonight, the maiden. Thank you. Bring it home. <laughs>